Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. Oh, yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman, can't you tell, man? Gonna post a- what up? This week is the week, Fran. Yeah. Austin Tejas yes. is in our immediate future, bro. Yeah. This is the last episode before... We take our journey. Oh shit! It is to the Lone Star State. Yeah. Uh, how are you? How are you feeling on our pending uh, destination? Um. Have you acquired the Xanax or some other kind of no Dramadol or something to put you down? You just gonna just I'm gonna just free gonna dog go, it? Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Gonna go, just gonna go. Just gonna just gonna wing it. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to fight it, man. I respect it, bro. Yeah. Listen, this people fly every day. I know. It's gonna be light work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but we gotta get on two planes. Yeah, and listen, man. Look, you got to cut costs somewhere, bro. <laughs> listen, I appreciate everybody on the Patreon for even affording us the luxury to be able to go take this trip. But you, you got to cut some corners somewhere. We couldn't just go do direct flight. We had to do some. We had to do a layover, layover, man. It has to go that way. But on the way back, it's a direct flight. Oh, okay. It's a direct flight coming home. Okay. Um, Other than that, I'm excited. Yeah, man. It's Other than fun. the plane, I'm excited. It's gonna be a great time, man. Check the weather. The weather looks like it's gonna be good weather. It's not gonna be crazy hot. It's supposed to be like the mid eighties, high eighties, yeah. which I can live with very much so. Yeah. You know, because Texas, they were telling me, yeah, you might it might be ninety five and and crazy hot. Texas heat. Yeah. You know, so you know, I'm ex- I'm excited, man. I'm very excited to go take the trip, meet some podcasters, meet some, you know, maybe get a f- flick up with Chris Hansen. You know what I'm saying? Maybe do a jail pose with Chris Hansen. Make that yeah. my Facebook profile photo. That'll be you know a, a, a culmination of a lot of dreams for me. That dude got me through a lot of really? tough times. Oh, yeah. Got, laughing at his To Catch Predator videos has got me through a lot of tough times. Man. <laughs> that dude that dude has provided me some very highly entertaining television. Yeah. Shout out to Chris Hansen. Speaking of, you know, traveling and, you know, uh, getting on flights and everything, the world is opening back up, friend. You know, yeah. people are starting to travel. It's Memorial Day weekend. Uh, it's a very busy. This this They say this weekend, actually, they said this will be a big test for the airport industry. This is the first big travel day since COVID has kind of started to take that turn, at least in the United States. Yeah. Prayers to India. They have been hit with a crazy spike. They're going through a lot of stuff, and they're less equipped for it than even this state, this country, which is 
didn't handle it very well at all. But India's, you know, going through a tough time right now. But in the U.S., we have the vaccines rolling out. The government wants the country to open back up. They want people spending money again. So this will be a real test for the airlines. What is and the test? Just the the volume. Oh, okay. the volume of people traveling oh. and going to the airports and procedures and wearing masks and whatever. All that whole thing. Well, some people um, not even wear masks anymore. Yeah, so. that's well. That's why it's a lot of controversy, and that's also why probably I don't. I've seen more fight videos in airports in the last three weeks than I've seen in my whole life. Really? Yeah. You know how stupid you have to be to fight in an airport? Mm-mm. Like, yeah, I have to assume it's the first time you've ever traveled if you fight in an airport. Yeah. Because the ramifications of fighting in an airport are crazy. So, is it an option to wear masks now? Is it an option? Not in an airport. Like not, you have on a, to wear not, not on a flight. You have to wear them in the flight. You have to wear them on the flight. I'm talking about any, anywhere else, though. Everywhere else, they are saying if you are vaccinated, then you don't have to wear a mask. And because of that that statement being put out there, a lot of businesses, People it's, it's now become like, you wear a mask if you want to, yeah. or, and if you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. But then that causes people to be like, people who are afraid still don't get in my space right, if, right, right. if you don't you have, have a mask, mask. on. Right. And then that person's like, fuck you. The government said I don't have. So now it's, it's just, it's just a lot of flim flam. And you, and and you can't even, you can't even uh, show proof that you have, or if somebody has been vaccinated. Well, yeah. I mean, until you invent your shirt with the clear pocket to slide the card in, I yeah. mean, you haven't gotten on that yet. So no. the no people just have to just, you got to go off scouts honor. <laughs> but I heard that Georgia in Georgia, if you, if at least it's, it's Twitter jokes, but they'll be like, if you wear a mask in Georgia, they're like, man, what the fuck are you, why are you wearing a mask? Yeah. You know, because oh, they've shit. just been crazy open, you yeah. know? And obviously that's anecdotal. I don't know that to be true, but that's, that's kind of what people are making it sound like because mm. the places that people have been traveling all pandemic, especially when the flights were cheap, when nobody was traveling, Florida, Georgia, Texas. Yeah. They've been open the whole time <laughs> for the most part, you know? So, yeah. Um, but my point is, um, we live in this goofy-ass country, Fran, mm. and states are doing lotteries, for people to get the vaccine. So like if you get the vaccine, you can enter yourself into a raffle to win money. That's an incentive? Yes. Okay. You know, the, the, as I spoke on the last week, the Blas- Mayor de Blasio was yeah. giving away, sh- but Shake Shack and a, <laughs> a Shake Shack burger and a million dollars is very two very different things. And a girl in Shaker Heights, Ohio, won a million dollars uh, like a week ago because she took the vac- she got she got vaccinated and her name got entered in the raffle and the mayor of the city called her yeah. and was like hey congratulations you won a million dollars oh so you know i mean i feel like it's fucking sad that we have to incentivize people in that kind of way yeah. for something that you know can save your life but uh i've seen you know i've seen goofier ones like a million dollars i think that's a good incentive i've seen Another one, I don't know if this was like Oklahoma or something. The mayor went on TV with his dog mm-hmm. and was like, this is Bruce the dog. Bruce really wants you to get your, you guys to get your vaccine. It would really make Bruce happy. And it's like, man, like this country is just, we're just a big ass kindergarten class. Yeah. Like that's so fucking sad that, that, that the government thinks that incentives like that will work. Like cutesy things like, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, one, two, three, everybody put your finger on your nose. If you haven't got your vaccine yet. And if your fingers on your nose, get out there and get your vaccine and you get Five gold stars, yeah. you know, so it's just a crazy time, man. I don't know, but hey, man, shit's opening back up. So I don't really, re- plan or not, the the shit is, shit, that we've been released back out into the world for the most mm. part, you know. New York is fully opening up in June. Yeah. Um, everything will follow suit. Maryland's pretty much open. I think um, I'll get it eventually. Just, I'm not ready yet. That's your business, man. I'm yeah. not I'm not here to convince anybody to do anything. I just think everybody should do their part, and that's that's my thoughts yeah. on it, and, and I've been vaccinated. So outside of that, what you do with your body is your choice. Um, 
in other news, though, Fran, I, I thought this would maybe lead to see. I, I wanted to see what kind of topic this would lead to if this would lead to an inter- interesting conversation. So I read this story, right, about this British dude named Will. So last year, this British dude named Will, uh, he was he's on Bumble. Bumble's one of those dating apps. Mm. He was on Bumble. He matched with a girl, but because of the pandemic, he wasn't able to meet up with the girl. You know, people didn't want to go out, whatever. So now she's starting to open back up. Will text messages this girl to be like, hey, like, you know, uh, we didn't uh, we matched last year, but we never got to meet up. You know, uh, just wondering if you're still single. Would love to meet up sometime. Right. Mm-hmm. He accidentally group mex- group texted that. To mad other girls, mm-hmm. right? So the message, the direct, the, the direct message is, "Hey, stranger, we matched on Bumble last year, but didn't meet due to COVID. I just arrived back in the city and was wondering if you're still single." In quotations, British will, right? So the next text message is, "Ill, did you just text fourteen girls at once?" And then the message after that is, "Goodbye, sir." And then, ha ha ha! Oh my God, yes, he the, the, uh, this mad text message, <laughs> "Ill, ladies," da, da, you know, they're like so. Um, that is mortifying as fuck. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I'm I'm deleting that thread and like putting it putting a little moon on it so I don't get the notifications anymore <laughs> and just pretending like I didn't do that <laughs> shit because that I couldn't imagine. What I assume he must have thought is he it's could group text and it would individually. And I don't even know if that's a setting. I don't know if that's a thing you can do. You used to be able to do that. On phones? On phones, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I don't know. Uh, Steve Jobs, that must have been his dying breath to just get people caught up. Yeah. Like Will thought he, Will thought he was sending 14 individual texts. Yeah. And it's, it was all one group text with the same message at the top, right? So my question to you is, mm-hmm. what's the dumb? It doesn't have to be relationship related, but yeah, yeah. what's the dumbest text fuck up you think you've ever made? I can't take anything off top right now. Okay, I'll go first and maybe that'll okay. give you some time to, you know. So uh, this was before Sierra. Uh, I accidentally texted like a wild, flagrant, crazy uh, text emoji combination <laughs> to my sister when I was meant to text it to a girl. Yeah. It might have been like the the eyes closed yelling emoji with like a peach and then the squirts and then like uh, the tongue emoji. <laughs> like, a cra- like a crazy combination, I think, the eggplant. Mm-hmm. Like just a wild, flagrant combination where I couldn't play it off and be like, you know, uh, I was just talking about the ending of this movie. It was crazy. <laughs> I was using using emotions, emojis to convey how crazy the ending of this movie was. Clearly, a sexual kind of combination of emoji text. Yeah. And then she never responded, mm-hmm. but she clearly got it because you know you can see the you know that that it was received or mm-hmm. whatever. And um, we just never have never addressed that. So we've now moved forward. It's been years, but that still like haunts me. That like she definitely saw that and was like, "What the fuck is this?" Or, or like that went to the wrong person. But you know, it is what it is, man. The game is the game. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I had any text fuck ups before. Oh well, aren't you just amazing, an amazing guy? I'm talking about anyone where I can go like, oh, this. I don't, I don't have any of those. Oh yeah, okay. Have, well, yeah, well, uh, I'd love to hear from other people. What are some? Uh, what are your craziest uh, text fuck ups? I remember I watched this video. But <laughs> there's that video that that lady, she texted her granddaughter mm-hmm. like uh, her titties, <laughs> and then she voice messaged her granddaughter like. Grandma's baby. Oh my God! I'm so embarrassed. I'm so. Please delete that picture mm. of your grandmother. I'm so sorry to send you that, Grandma's baby, darling child. Uh, it was an accident. I meant to send that to somebody. And now you tell when you say that I meant to send that to my friend. It's mm. like oh, so I already know. Ew. Now you're telling me because now you what friend were you sending that to? <laughs> so now now you're putting <laughs> even more in my mind. You were getting your freak on yeah. in the text message. <laughs> so it was just crazy. So that always makes me laugh. I have never had any kind of. 
I've never sent a dick pic in my life. So I yeah. so I already never sent one. Never sent one in my I life. I think you're lying. Bro. No, I never sent one in my bro. I never sent one. I swear, hand, on, hand to God, bro. Never sent. <laughs> I'll tell you, like I'll tell you. You can bro. send. No, 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 bro. Hand, <laughs> bro. Hand on my everything. No, I love. No, no, no. Yo, listen. You can sit life. up here, bro, and take a picture. My life, bro. Take a picture with other guys. Which balls out? That's different, bro. That was jokes. <laughs> I never in my life have confidently put my put my schmied in my hand and been like, "Yeah, I'm gonna send this off." I don't even understand how dudes do that. To confidently take a picture of your dick in a uh, in the mirror or whatever. I don't even know where the setting is where you do that. To confidently do that is the most crazy shit. I've never had that I've confidence done it in my life. I never had I've that done conf- it one time. Bro, I've never had that confidence in my life. Hand of God, I've never had that confidence <laughs> in my life, time. bro. Never in my life. I, I have. I have think I, you're lying. No, I'm never. Sure. I'm not, I would not lie about something like that. You just you just told the world or the world. You just told our listeners that I took a picture with like five other dudes with my balls in my hands. You did. And I admit that. Yes, it was for funny. It was for jokes. It was for jokes. White, white white boys are crazy, bro. When you get around them, they when they hit you with the "Come on, man, don't be lame." When they hit you with all that shit, it works. It's effective. Peer it pressure, works. It, peer pressure is effective in that way. White boys have that effect. on Come on, bro. Everybody's doing it. What are you doing? Come on, man. It's funny. Talk you into doing that. It's jokes, man. You know all that shit, right? So it worked. I, you know, I, That's I, I pulled my balls out and we took a picture together and put it up on Facebook for laughs, right? So, but no, I've never like you know uh, pulled out my pocket. Is that picture still out there? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, honestly, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I, but like, it's it's we're all fully clothed, like in front of a fireplace with, it's it's like not it's not sexual. It's yeah. like jokes. Um, but no, I never have like uh, pulled out my pocket rocket and been like, yeah, I'm gonna send this off. Yeah, and then accidentally sent that to my grandmother or something. That would be insane. So I never even have sent it intentionally to anybody. Yeah, that's just never understood a level of confidence. Let me get into your psychology, your psychology for a second. Yeah, the confidence in that what. Was it just the youth, or you just you just <laughs> felt like nah that she needs to get this? <laughs> like, what's the no, confidence in that? Just, Where's that confidence? It was, it was come just from? it was one of those things where it's like, uh, well, this person was sending me a whole bunch. I just got I got. Oh, you got to reciprocate. Yeah, it's one. like ten to one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got to give him something. Yeah, yeah. He just gave me it ten was, fires. It was one of those situations. Okay. Other, other than that, I've never done it before. Yeah, no, I, I'm a, I've always been grateful to receive those kind of pictures. Yeah, yeah. but I've never been like, yeah, you know what. Let me bless them back. Yeah, you got I never you. have that confidence. One, one time. No, I don't even know sure how to respond. Sure the lighting is right and everything. That's what I'm saying. I don't even know, bro. I never even. I don't even know how to confidently do some shit like that. Yeah. And I also don't even know how to receive the pictures. I just be like, thank you. That's great. Like I just give them compliments. <laughs> like, man, that's that's great. You're great. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Man, that looks great. You're great. I don't even know how to. I don't. My my bag is limited in that aspect <laughs> of like the text, like. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, that's mine. I don't even know what the. I don't even know how to do any of that shit. So no, I confidently, I'm not even lying, dead ass. I've never done that. I never sent a dick pic in my life. Never in that's my life. Funny. But so my only most blunders would involve like bad uh, sexting. Yeah. Have so, you had any like ridiculous texts? It was like you you was typing something just on the moment. You was like you just made up some shit, and it was like that was ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. I had one. <laughs> I had one where it definitely was, it was some girl was like, it was you know when you're young and then you just it was um I used to spell I love you and I used to put the I next to the L. So she was like, like combined. Yeah. So she's like, why you do that? And I was like, you know, I don't remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I you had a thing about it. I spit, <laughs> I spit balls and, <laughs> and she was well, like, I wanted to be connected. Yeah. How I want to be connected to you. That's why I le- I keep the letters connected that way. She was like, I know you just made that up. <laughs> That's I just know, how close I, I want to be to that. you. That's it. Was funny. I, <laughs> I could just been I, like, I never want you to take an L in life, so you got to be with me. You're like, what the fuck is he talking about? But it works, right? I don't even have any kind of shit. Like I would have been like, oh my yeah, my thumb. <laughs> 
I just would have just been honest about it. <laughs> nah, yeah, no, I definitely been in. You know, you get in your That's bag funny. and you just say some 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 ridiculous shit, and you're yeah, like, man. "What the fuck was what that?" The, yeah, <laughs> but if it works, it's like shit. Well, it worked though. Like if you get the come through text off of like, well, you know, sometimes I just want to slap you down in honey and just be a bee. <laughs> What? And she's like, yeah, come through. Are you like, <laughs> what the fuck kind of self-esteem do you have? <laughs> that worked? Like, who are you dealing with? That's my bag, though. I'm the guy that's like, I never been, I never have been like a, I never like one night stand a girl in my, well, rarely. But yeah. like, I'm very much a dude where girls are like, this guy's a good guy. Let me yeah. go to introduce him to my, never like the bad boy yeah. come through with just at like 2 a.m. Just, just to, yeah. just to uh, come through and lay it down or whatever. I'm always, you know, it's like dates and all kind of goofy shit. I, I'm that guy. Yeah. I'm the guy that you're like, you did, like you came through and then fucked them over. And then they're like, then they meet me and I start talking to them. They're like, this is guy's going <laughs> to, this is guy's going to really change things around. I'm going to settle down and yeah. stop having so much promiscuous fun. And this guy, I'm going to introduce him to my mom. So that's why my, my, uh, when I detach from those, I feel like that's way more scumbaggy than just being like a dirtbag. Yeah. I got them thinking we're going to like be together yeah. and then I'm just like the ghost. <laughs> that's way sicker. Maybe I should have just been like, nah, girl, I'm a desperado. But I just was like, I'm just going to stop responding. To them. <laughs> Which is mad scumbaggy, man. Shout out, shout out to all the ghosters out there. Don't yeah. do that anymore, man. Nah, if you, yeah. if you're a ghoster, bro, stop doing that. It's cold hearted, bro. You don't even want to know what you leave in your wake, man. Fucking. Yep unresolved feelings and shit it's a cold world out there man i feel like that's probably only gotten worse since i've been out the game mad long i don't even know this bumble shit i don't even this is probably just normal this dude's like dude sending off 14 texts to the same it, girl so it was a text it wasn't in the app no it was a text oh, was message a text like they, these are all i'm assuming these are all girls that he matched with and then it never amounted to anything because of the pandemic or whatever or whatever and then now outside is opening back up so he's like Psh, will is back he had a and lot of numbers though I, yeah, he, I'm pro- he we probably fucked, saved him. I don't know how Bumble all, works, but you, all that yeah, you you took 14 girls yeah. off the table. Off, that's that's yeah. It. I mean, that's, there's no coming back from that. <laughs> but again, same thing with the goofy text messages. The ones that message you separately, yeah, you probably still in. Yeah, if because these girls they changed the group, uh, they changed the group Your name. Text. They gave uh, British Will's Angels. They were frying them, and oh, uh, other girls in there were like, I I actually did go out on a date with him. He was awful. So they were all having oh a, they all became friends and shit. That's block, why I was like, I'm deleting this. Yeah, I'm deleting I'm going to throw my phone out. Block all of them? Just block them all. <laughs> well, fuck that up. None of these people exist anymore. That's crazy. Wild shit, man. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, move on. That was actually, that, was, that actually did turn into a funny conversation. So uh, let's go ahead and get into these shout outs uh, on Patreon. That's right, folks. We are headed to Austin, Texas this week, and it wouldn't be possible without all our wonderful wonderful supporters on Patreon. We have been dark lately, but I promise you it's because we have been building up to this moment, and we're going to flood you guys with content once we go to Austin. I plan on filming the whole thing, doing vlogs, doing podcasts and everything, so the Patreon will be very much active once we come back from Austin, Texas, maybe even down there. One of my concerns, Fran, is I don't want to get flagged by the TSA and get tased because I got mad shit. I'm I'm bringing the laptop. I got a I got a recorder. We got microphones, mad cables. Yeah. I don't want them to think I got some kind of B. You know, what I, mean? I don't even uh, want to say the word on a microphone, but I don't want them to think I got some kind of device. Yeah. Other than that, I'm just trying to podcast, bro. Don't 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 tase me, bro. I don't want to get to, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. So that is my concern. Maybe we make sure we get to the airport nice and early. Yep. To 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 uh you know uh escape those kind of concerns. Uh, up first, uh the first person we want to start with our shout outs is, is Kiwi S. I don't okay. even, if that's your birth name, shout out to you. That's very unique. I, I'm, I'm fucking with it. 
Looks like our, that picture might be like a dove. Maybe the two turtle doves from Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Uh, up next, we got Amy. No last name. Shout out. Well, actually, her name is in her email. I'm not going to say it regardless. It's just Amy. Shout out to you, Amy. Loving the... Thought she had glasses. They're not glasses, friend. I was wrong. Uh, up next, we got Jade M. Jade, that's my sister-in-law's name. Shout out to you, Jade. Uh, every Jade that I've met has been very uh, great music taste and long hair. How many um, have you met? How many Jades? Yeah. Um, well, two. Okay. Uh, Jade. You talk like you met like five of them. Um, well, I've met two Jades now. So, But <laughs> up until this point, one. Yeah. But now two. Yeah. And I think this Jade has long hair as well mm. and maybe has great music taste. Yeah, possibly. I would love to know, Jade. Shout out to you. Uh, lastly, we got Kelly P. Shout out to you, Kelly P. Thank you for the wonderful support. You are a true serial killer. And thank you to everyone who's already been on the Patreon this whole time and has stuck with us, man. It's greatly appreciated. We appreciate the support. You guys are awesome. And we wouldn't be here without you guys. And we wouldn't be doing the stuff that we get to do without you guys. And we appreciate you guys continuing to spread the word and buy shirts and buy mugs and whatever you do to support, man. It's greatly appreciated. Oh, man, before we take a break. Rest in peace to Kevin Clark, man. He played Freddie McGee on um, uh, School, uh, School of Rock. It's one of my favorite movies, Jack Black movie. Um, fantastic movie. He plays the drummer, Freddie McGee. Uh, he passed away. He got hit by a car while he was riding his bike. 32 years old, man. Hey, man, that bike's dangerous. Yeah, man. That's, but, uh, yeah, man, 32 years old. Um, by all accounts, people loved the kid. He was a, he was a cool guy. And he played, one of, he played one of my favorite characters in the movie, man. Um, great movie. Fun movie. And uh, yeah, so rest in peace to Kevin Clark. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's uh, my turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right. And we are back. Fran, my story this week isn't a murder per se. Okay. But it's a really interesting story. That Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 
I came across because somebody tagged me in another story similar and it made me go down that rabbit hole, which I'll get to once I get into the story. Mm. So uh, my, my uh, affirmative story this week is uh, about Kayleen Bowen Wright. Uh, I got my, my source was uh, D Magazine, an article written by Peter Simic and DallasNews.com. I also picked this story because I was looking for a Texas story to tell because we going to Austin, y'all. So I picked a Texas story to tell this week, and uh, yeah, here we go. On a club night in Dallas, Texas in 2007, Ryan Crawford, out to blow off some steam, met Kayleen Bowen Wright. Kayleen was cute with big brown eyes, high cheekbones, and a nice figure. Kayleen also had a child. She had walked away from a track scholarship at the University of Kansas to raise her daughter with her mom. Ryan and Kayleen bonded over their experiences as single parents. They chatted, shared a few dances, and swapped numbers. After that, they talked on the phone, but they were never really in a relationship. After having zero contact for nearly six months, Kayleen called out of the blue on Ryan's 28th birthday and offered to take him out. Ryan already had plans. She said she could come meet him at his place afterward. He went out to the club, had a good time for his birthday, came back after the club. They slept together that night and for the first and only time. When Ryan asked if she was on birth control, Kayleen told him yes and not to worry. But something did worry him. Four months later, her name popped up on his caller ID. and He knew exactly what that meant. In Kayleen's second trimester, she started calling Ryan in the middle of the night. There were complications, fevers lasting for days, and multiple hospitalizations. According to Ryan, Kayleen even claimed to have a 110-degree fever during one of her hospital stays. Damn. Now, for people who are not aware, if you have a fever over a 105, you are in danger of dying. A fever over 106, after that, at that point, you start to have, you're in danger of, of like organ failure. There's not much of a level you can go above 105 mm -hmm. like every degree is drastic yeah like the body is very sensitive so 110 degrees is like you have brain damage like there's no coming back from that you, you don't casually just have a 110 degree fever one day and then you're out mm -hmm. like if your fever spikes to 110 degrees they're putting you in an ice bath in the hospital yeah. they're doing whatever they can to lower your body's temperature it's that drastic of a thing and he's getting text messages and phone calls like yeah so they said my fever is like 110 but um, I think they're going to let me out tomorrow. What? So, you know. So Ryan began to wonder, was she really in the hospital? He didn't hear any medical beeps or of equipment in the background. Was she even pregnant? He felt paranoid, but something didn't seem right. So he just couldn't. This guy's not a doctor. He doesn't know. But he's like, this just, this shit feels weird. Don't sound right, right. Yeah, I mean, I only hooked up with this girl once. She calls me four months later. She's pregnant. Now I'm getting phone calls. She's got me thinking that the baby's that I, I don't even know if the baby's mine, but it's in danger. She's in the hospital. I, all this shit is just is so much drama. So Christopher was born prematurely on a, in April of 2009 and spent 18 days in a neonatal intensive care unit. Kayleen told Ryan that their son couldn't keep any of his hospital formula down. So the young father bought dozens of different kinds of formula to see which might work. He bought baby clothes and gave Kayleen cash. He knew he and Kayleen weren't going to raise the child together. He didn't even know if the baby was his. But if Christopher was his, he wanted to be there for his son. Mm -hmm. So, again, this dude, is, there's questions in the air, but he still wants to do right by his kid. He's, you know, providing money, baby clothes, whatever, you know. 
after the release from the hospital, Christopher's condition deteriorated. He had diarrhea and acid reflux. He developed abdominal distension, the large stomach characteristic of malnourished children. Uh, doctors gave him a G tube, which is a feeding tube inserted directly into the middle of the small intestine. They also placed a port in one of Christopher's veins so that Kayleen would be able to give him IV fluid at home. This is a baby. Yeah. So, you know, this is crazy, but Christopher didn't get better during the first three months of her son's life. Kayleen was in and out of the hospital with her baby more than 10 times though. Doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with Christopher. Kayleen seemed to always have a diagnosis. Once, Carol Williams, Ryan's aunt, visited the hospital to see Christopher. Kayleen appeared in the waiting room with an x-ray. She pointed to a blotch and, and announced that, I guess this is the cancer right here. Mm-hmm. Like in the lobby of the hospital with an x-ray. I didn't even know you could take the x-rays off the wall. at the. You know what I mean? I didn't know that you could just take that and carry that around the hospital. Yeah. But she went into the hospital lobby and was like, hey, Carol, yeah, so it's cancer, and pointed to it right there. On so the has phone. he seen the baby outside of the hospital? No. A few months after Christopher's birth, Ryan filed to establish paternity and get his child support monitored by the court. When Kayleen received the notice, she was livid. Why would you put other people in our life? Ryan remembers her saying this, the co- which is like a crazy thing to say. Like, if we're not together, I just want to make, I'm only giving you like, cash and then it could be a situation where she keeps asking for cash so it's like yeah. i'd rather be in a monitor system than you keep asking me for cat i'm not keeping track of how much money i'm giving you yeah and she's like don't bring courts into our lives the, the system is never good you shouldn't put the court system in between us and it's like we're not together we need some regulation like i, I kind of respect somebody going to put themselves on child support like yeah. that's, that's a pretty bold move but the court served kayleen well during the first child support hearing Ryan says she broke down in tears and told the judge that Christopher had muscular dystrophy, wore leg braces, and may never walk again. Ryan was flabbergasted. He's never never even spent any real time with his child, and now he's in court to to get some regulations and rules put in place, and she, like, throws this dude under the bus. Not not saying, like, he did something, but she's just like, oh, my God, like... I have to take care of this child and he has all these things wrong with him. And the the guy Ryan's like, I didn't even know any of this shit was, what are you talking about? So the judge brought the parents into his chambers where he tried to console them. The judge himself had lived his entire life using a wheelchair. The judge told them that despite the disability, he managed to live a normal life. He said, your son's still going to be able to go to prom. And then (laughs) it's like, it's funny. It's funny. It's not funny, but it is. So Ryan said, what are you even talking about? Yeah. Like, like, so he's like, or he thought he thought that he said he thought to himself like, I have no idea what's even happening right now, you know, because it's ba- like she picked this judge. She definitely said the right things in front of this judge who's in to a get to garner his sympathy. But that's, I mean, yes. him, I mean, and his perspective is like, did you pick? This? Yeah, like what the hell is yeah, this? Right. Like you just said all this did stuff. You have all this and, planned out, yeah, and he happens to be in a wheelchair also. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and it gets crazier. <laughs> this dude Ryan was like in a, a fever dream yeah. for mad long. Shit just <laughs> wasn't going this guy's way, right? So back in the courtroom, the judge made a special exception to the child support order, o- uh, owing to Christopher's condition. Ryan would have to pay more in child support than the salary based standard set by the state. And the cash and in-kind support, and in-kind support just means, like, clothes, stuff that isn't cash. 
So the cash and in-kind support that he had already provided to Christopher would be considered a gift. And Ryan would owe back child support as well. How much is that? Oh, I don't know the specifics, oh, but anything that he's already shit. done for the child doesn't count. And so you owe money from then, from since the kid is alive. He's like, but I've been giving them money and shit. This was my idea to come here. I was about to say that. Yeah, it's like, well, you have to pay from back then too, which is that's crazy. But again, he's basing this off of like, man, you're you're being a Debbie dad. Yeah. You got this kid in a wheelchair. He's got leg braces. Like, how could you do this? I don't even understand how you're not being in this kid's life. So because of that, you're going to pay more in child support because all the help this kid needs. And you owe back child support. I don't Because clearly, probably whatever you gave her wasn't enough for this kid's needs. Yeah. So he was, the, he was public enemy number one. This scene will be repeated in front of three other judges over the course of six years. Each time, Ryan came across as a negligent absentee father attempting to shirk his responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So every time he comes in there, he's like, but I just don't think he needs that much stuff. And they're like, oh, the court's like, oh, my. It's like uh, Judge Mathis where the, yeah. the court reacts. Like, oh, how could he say that? And you look over at the kid. He's like got leg braces and he's all sad looking. Was he in the court? I don't think. I don't know. But like that paints my picture better. The Him actually being there. I don't know if they actually were. Because they said he has all these medical issues. So I'm sure he wasn't actually there. But it, it is a, a crazier picture if you can look over and see that the kid is over there. And he's like, look, he's not even blind. He throws a tennis ball at the kid, hits the kid's face. Oh, my God, he's <laughs> awful. He's just, it's like that's, But that's what this guy was going through. Not that level of drama, but all the stuff that's being said by, 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 the, by the mom is painting him out to be this guy who just has no idea what's going on in his kid who has all these debilitating illnesses. And he just is like, no, man, I just don't think he, I need to pay that much. Lori Hockett, a now-retired judge who ruled on the case, says the case stood out to her among hundreds because it was so sad. He was a young father, and his family was with him, and they seemed real upset about him paying back child support. So she's like, he was awful. His family all were, like, on his side as he's talking bad about not paying up for his kids' medical issues. So she's like, the whole family, it just looked like they were awful people. At the time, it seemed so tragic. This is still Lori Hockett. That's another quote from her. Uh, the child was about to die. We thought this child was within weeks of dying. You could hear a pin drop in the courtroom. Hockett says she set up a time for Ryan to come to the court and review the medical records that Kayleen had provided, but he didn't show. To the judge, that seemed like, that seemed like he was uh, indifferent. Mm. But the quote from Ryan was like, man, this shit was just so crazy. I, I didn't even want to go look at, it it didn't it wasn't gonna make any difference. That was his that was his defense. Like yeah. I didn't go because what difference would it make? They're gonna tell me it's real and he's sick and I need to do take care of my responsibilities and they're gonna call me awful for wanting to do this. So he just didn't show up for that. Every time we go to court, the question is, when is he gonna die? Ryan said. I'm in court with evidence from speaking to doctors. My son was just seen running around playing with his bike, and if you ask him what his favorite food is. He would say his favorite food is hot wings. How is his favorite food hot wings if he has a feeding tube? <clears throat> so he's, he's mad. And this is him, you know, giving his side of the story. He hired a lawyer, but after Ryan lost his temper with the judge, his lawyer recused himself. So this guy already looks like an absolute monster, right? And then at some point during one of his hearings, he snapped and said something kind of, you know, above, over the line to the, the judge wings? about who knows what. Like, oh. yo, look at the, the kid. I... He, he can walk or something like that, right? Yeah. So the, his lawyer's like, oh, my God. Uh, 
I can't. I can't work with him. Any, this this person. This, this person's a monster, and I'd like to recuse myself. I can't represent somebody so awful. That's crazy, right? So every turn of the way, he looks like the most awful scumbaggy dude ever. His own lawyer was like, "I'm not doing this." Kayleen told the judge that Christopher had too many medical supplies and machines to travel. Ryan obtained certification showing that he could operate all the medical equipment needed to take care of his son. But the court removed his visitation rights, saying Christopher was too sick to leave his mother. So he's paying child support. He's not getting to see his son. He's mm-hmm. going, jumping through all these hoops, getting certified to handle defibrillators and did shit. Did he get a test, though? What do you mean? Like a paternity test? He did get a paternity he test. Did. The kid is his, yes. Oh. Yes. So there is a child. Yeah, there's a child. No, oh. it's not that. It's not. No, no. There's a child. Yeah, there's a child. A child is real. Yes. No, this is not one of those situations. There is a child. It's not some made up thing. Yeah. Uh, There is a child. Yes. By the time Ryan was summoned back to court in 2014 to answer for two months of unpaid child support, Christopher was five and it had been years since father and son had even seen each other. Ryan hired a new lawyer named Shannon Pritchard to make a case for the increased visitation. But the judge was still convinced Christopher was on his deathbed. The request was denied. Pritchard told Ryan it would require a lengthy and expensive legal challenge to reverse the order. It was a battle Ryan couldn't afford to wage. So he just continues to be on child support and has no visitation to his son. Kayleen took Christopher from doctor to doctor seeking treatment. He wore leg braces, took nearly a dozen medications, and was treated at home with oxygen breathing tanks, a pulse oxygen monitor, a feeding pump, and a suction unit. I don't even know what that is. Kayleen told friends and family that Christopher was diagnosed with GERD, an acid reflux condition, chronic lung disease, muscular dystrophy, a genetic condition affecting his veins. What is, how can your veins be? I don't even know. That's crazy. And finally, cancer. This Man. big C word, right? Kayleen conceived a third child. Ryan says she told him that she needed blood from the baby's umbilical cord to help with Christopher's treatments. She told Ryan the father was a friend who agreed to impregnate her, but later told members of Ryan's family that she had in vitro fertilization. She's saying she had a third child to use the umbilical cord, like uh, stem cells or whatever's in the placenta to help Christopher. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. And I don't even know if that's even a thing, right? As a matter of fact, no, the only time I've ever heard of something like that and I, uh, I've never watched this movie again. It's this movie called My Sister's Keeper. Mm-hmm. And in My Sister's Keeper, it's Cameron Diaz and, like, these three kids. And the one daughter has cancer, she, or she had, like, lymphoma, or it's one of those things that affects kids. I can't mm-hmm. remember which one. The kid had l- lymphoma their whole life. And the, the baby kid, they would use her bone marrow to treat the older kid. So then the older kid that had cancer um, convinced the younger sister Oh, it's getting, getting me all worked up just talking about it. She convinces the younger sister, and they have another brother. She convinces her to sue her mom, to sue Cameron Diaz, because she doesn't want to give the bone marrow treatments anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? But it looks like the, the daughter is like, I don't want to do this anymore. It hurts, right? Mm-hmm. But then it turns out it's the older daughter. She just wants to die. She doesn't want it, to. It's, it's too painful to, to be alive. And so she doesn't want. So she basically told her younger sister to stall. Mm. Take her to court so she so you can't get so you don't give me bone marrow and then I'll die. Yeah. Oh, it's such a sad fucking movie. Oh. 
Never. I watched it once. I never watched it again. It's so sad. Mm. Oh, my God. Anyway, <clears throat> so that kid, he's, he's going through all kinds of hell. The mom had another baby, so on and so forth. <clears throat> Between 2009 and 2015, Christopher was seen 157 times at Children's Medical Center, 10 times at Our Children's House at Baylor, 84 times at, Dal- at Dallas Specialty Pediatrics, 12 times at the Pediatric Surgical Association, 19 times at Medical City Dallas, and 41 times at Texas Children's Hospital in Houston. Between 2010 and 2014, he had 13 major surgeries. Wow. Kayleen had to quit her job to juggle it all. To make ends meet, and again, I don't know if I've ever said this on this podcast. I've definitely tweeted this before. But I always thought that that meant meat, like food. Make like to make meat. ends meet, like to make, I don't know, meat for the end of the day. Like <laughs> when you, you, to make a meal at the end of the day, yeah. you make that end of the day's meat. People go like, what the hell's ends meat? Like what is, what is ends meat? And yeah. what is ends M-E-A-T? And I go, I don't know. I just thought like meat that you get, you're just trying to get a meal. You're hungry. You ends meat. Yeah, you're trying to get, yeah, you're trying to make ends meat. You're hungry, you're struggling and you just need some meat to eat. So you, no, you didn't. No. Okay. Meat? That's fine. Okay. No. Sorry. I thought, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, she realized. <laughs> She relied on Social Security Disability Insurance, food stamps, Medicaid, child support from her father's children, uh, from her children's fathers, and later on, the help of a live-in boyfriend whom she began dating around 2013. In 2015, a friend of Bowen Wright's used GoFundMe to raise $610 so Christopher could go to the beach. That's it? Yeah, I don't even... <laughs> I don't need, that's like the saddest GoFundMe, especially for the kid. They're saying the kid, the kid's dying. Yeah. On the GoFundMe, it's like, we just want to send him to the beach one last time before he dies. And it raised $610. Something right. That's, yeah, but like she took it. I bet she did yeah, take she's it. She's like, oh, cash that out. She got to make the ends meet. Yeah, she got to make that ends meet. Fry it up, you know, <laughs> saute it, you know. According to the fundraiser page, Christopher had been diagnosed with cancer and had just six months to live. When Christopher was in kindergarten, at White Rock Elementary School in in Lake Highlands, a you caring campaign, I never even heard of that. A you caring campaign was organized by a group of friends and supporters. By the time it ended, the campaign had raised roughly $8,000 to help young Christopher and his family as they struggle against the disease that is slowly ending his life. Mm. That was the narrative that was put out there to give people to get people to give their money. After losing in the courts, Ryan didn't know where else to turn. In 2015, a complaint to Child Protective Services about Kayleen's care for Christopher triggered an investigation. A doctor told, uh, told investigators that after multiple exams and evaluations, she couldn't find anything wrong with Christopher. CPS ruled out medical neglect after finding out that six-year-old Christopher didn't report any abuse. His health seemed to be improving, and his mother was following on her son's medical needs. So they were like, well, she's bringing him to the hospital. He has not said anything's wrong. So something was a red flag, but we checked on it and we can't prove anything. Yeah. So they backed off. After the CPS investigation went nowhere, Ryan felt lost. At a certain point, he admits he gave up. All he knew about his son came from emails that Kayleen would occasionally write. And the emails would say stuff like, I just wanted to let you know that Christopher's condition is declining. He now has blood sugar problems, kidney problems, and heart murmurs. And you're like, what the fuck am I? All that one time? Yeah, all in one email. And that's just the the update you get on your child who you don't ever get to see. So why can't he see him? Because he he 
can't leave his house with his mom because of his all his medical needs. Why he has too much equipment. There? That's a good question. I don't know why he maybe he did. I don't know. I don't know why he can't go there. Maybe she would No, actually he does say at some point in the thing, uh, she would go, I don't want you to see him. So like I said, she's sending him emails telling him about the problems that uh, emails. Yeah, emails. What was this? It's like 2015. What do you mean? What, what year is text? it? Text? Call, phone call? People still send emails, man. I don't know what to tell you on that one. A bunch of child? An email. A lengthy email is you can get more detail than a text message. Really? Are you? Uh, really? The pictures and the lengthy thing. I don't want you to send me some long ass book in a text message. That's insane. Send me an email. I don't want an email. Not about my child. I don't want a damn email. He that's, might not that, check oh, his email. Oh, that's fair. I don't, want it, I don't want an email about my child either. I don't have a child, but I, I don't want an email about my child. But this, this guy, his situation is way further than like, oh, don't send me email. This guy's lucky to get any kind of information about his kid. So 2015, you said? Yeah. Video Skype. Yeah, it's true. What's going on? Well, I'll get to why she probably wouldn't want him to Skype and, and all that stuff. Because there's no baby. No, there's a baby, man. <laughs> this is not a baby. He's five. There's not a baby. They're, he, they're right. You're right. At this point, there's not a baby. He's a toddler. <laughs> so like I said, uh, when Ryan asked if he could see his supposedly dying son, mm-hmm. Kayleen told him she didn't want him to see Christopher. Why? And he didn't go into detail about whether that was like, I don't want you to see him in this condition or I don't want you to see him. Like, I don't. He didn't really put any inflection on what mm-hmm. he said. I don't know. And uh, maybe she played it that way. Like, I don't want you to see him like this. He's not in a good state. Maybe that was how she played it. I'm coming over there. It's it's your son. You should. But I don't know. I'm not Ryan. I I can't tell him. Bust down to doing all that. So Ryan was sure Christopher wasn't really dying, but it didn't seem to matter. He figured he would likely never see his son again. And again, how do you... It's this really weird situation to be in because, like, people... The Child Protective Services has gone and investigated this woman, and they have found nothing, right? So how do you come out in the, your next court hearing and be like, he's not even dying? You know what I mean? Like, you sound awful. Uh, nothing you can say makes you not sound like an asshole. Everything's going her way, mm. right? So you just look like an asshole. Yeah. So at a point, you just go, I'll just shut up and just pay, man. I don't, I don't know. Like, every time I talk, I look like the worst bad guy ever. But then in December of 2015, something happened that would change Ryan's life. He stumbled upon an article in Fort Worth's Star Telegram mm-hmm. about a series of strange criminal cases. They all involved mothers abusing their children in, uh, by subjecting them to ex- excessive medical treatment. The similarities to Christopher's story were eerie. The babies had been born prematurely. They had stomach issues or trouble gaining weight. Feeding tubes were implanted. Doctors attempted to diagnose mysterious symptoms, and the mothers presented the procedures as evidence of chronic conditions. So he's like, this shit is just, this shit sounds like my life. This sounds like my life for the last five years. Yeah. The Star Telegram story gave Ryan's suspicion a name. Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Mm. So this is the same thing from um, Mama. Mommy Dead and Dearest. Yes, very much so. Very similar. Almost Mm. exactly the same, actually. As far as putting the stents in and stomach tubes and the wheelchair. So Ryan now had a name to give to his suspicions, right? Um, And... The next morning, he received a. Uh, so what he uh, what he did was on that like fa- let's say it was Facebook on that Facebook article post that he saw. He commented uh, in the comment section, "This is the same thing I'm going through, and I don't know what to do." The next morning, he received a message via Facebook from an investigator with the Tarrant County Sheriff's Department named Michael Weber. The message said, "If you're serious about this, and it's really and this really happened, call me." Weber's message was the first time in six years that someone outside of Ryan's immediate family believed his story about Kayleen and Christopher. 
Weber is one of the country's leading experts in investigating claims of medical abuse. Now, this guy, this guy Ryan, has been told by lawyers like, hey, man, we're kind of at a dead end because you're broke as fuck and you can't afford to go pursue this any further. So he kind of gave up on fighting. And then you get the random kismet kind of Facebook meeting with the best investigator of medical abuse in the country or one of them. Right. And he's like, I'll help you. So it really is a blessing. Even an experienced detective, however, would have trouble with medical abuse cases. In 2009, there was still little known about this peculiar form of child abuse. Between 2009 and 2015, Weber investigated 16 reports of medical abuse, which led to five felony child abuse convictions and one misdemeanor conviction uh, for Medicaid fraud. What he found is that successful investigators of medical abuse require careful coordination between law enforcement, child protective services, and the medical community. Professions with very different and sometimes conflicting cultures and expectations. Because, you know, as a detective, you're, you want all the information. Mm. But as a doctor, you, you know, you, you, you take the Hippocratic Oath or whatever. So it's like, I can't tell you my patient's medical information or I'm, I'm hesitant to do so. So you need this coordination from people who have been trained to not do that. Right. So it's a really complicated kind of thing. The initial challenge is simply identifying a case. The caregiver often brings the child to so many different medical providers that it can be difficult for doctors to piece together an accurate medical history. Mm. They actually portrayed this in Mommy Dead and Dearest a lot where she would she would go to so many different places with Gypsy Rose that nobody had one medical history. Yeah. So it's like 15 doctors all go, yeah, she's been here like twice. But collectively, that's like 50 visits, mm. right? If there is a CPS complaint, it is often categorized as medical neglect. When the CPS investigator sees that the child is going to the doctor all the time, it's dismissed. CPS and law enforcement must carefully manage the investigation. Stepping in too early might, al might alert the mother that she is under investigation, giving her time to destroy evidence like social, like social media history, documenting falsified medical claims. Stepping in too late may, may place the child at risk. There is another obstacle to investigating medical child abuse. The allegation can be so unimaginable. Why would a mother make her child sick or live life as if the child were suffering from a chronic illness? People don't see it as abuse, Weber says. Societally, we don't want to believe that a mom would do this to her child. So we look for an excuse for the mom. He's, he also said, we don't focus on mental health in the case of child sexual abuse, but when you have a mental health defense for mom, that can lead to a tough path for justice for the child, which I understand. That's all, it's kind of a controversial statement because, you know, if somebody was a child molester, you would not bring up that, you know, this is a disease, yeah. right? You would just call them like a sick monster and throw them in jail or whatever. But in this situation, you would never want to believe that a mother would hurt their child in this way. There must be something wrong. So that comes into play. And then, um, a lot of times the parents end up getting off with like more lenient uh, sentences. And Weber continues to say mom because in 95% of medical abuse cases, the perpetrator is the mother. Mark Feldman is a clinical professor of, psych of psychiatry and adjunct professor of psychology at the University of Alabama and one of the country's leading experts on medical abuse. He says it's one of a handful of common characteristics among perpetrators of medical child abuse. In about 14% of the cases, Feldman says 
Patients are clinically depressed, and sometimes the perpetrator has a history of similar abuse. But the dominant psychological condition among perpetrators, Feldman says, is a form of personality disorder. They lack a clear sense of self. Being the mother of a very sick person gives them self-definition. They know who they are then. It blinds their fragmented feelings of self, and it becomes their mission. Most of them like to depict themselves as heroes who are protecting and saving their children from what they view as an unsympathetic medical environment. Detective Weber told Ryan to file a report with the Dallas Medical, with the Dallas County District Attorney, and he did. And yet for another two years, nothing happened. Then in November 2017, Kayleen took Christopher to the emergency room at Children's Medical Center and told doctors he had suffered a seven-minute full-body seizure. The length and the severity of the seizure, seven minutes. And again, this is the same thing where I was talking about like the 110 degree fever. If you have a seizure for seven minutes straight, like you're brain dead. Like, I don't think you come back from that. A seven minute seizure is absolutely insane. So she goes too severe because she wants the most sympathy possible. Mm, She wants it to be the, oh my God, cancer. Oh my God. He had a seizure for a day. The whole day he had a seizure. Oh man. Oh, she's so brave. What a hero she is taking care of a child. And Ryan's doing nothing. What a Debbie he is. She's doing it all by herself. Superhero mom. So like I said, the the medical professionals were like, seven minutes? Uh, I don't, that sounds kind of crazy. And then the ECG evaluations didn't show seizure activity. The doctors conferred with with Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, where Kayleen had also taken her son for treatment. And the the hospital reiterated the Dallas doctor's concern. CPS opened a second investigation, and Dallas Children's Medical Center and Texas Children's Hospital in Houston set up a joint staff to look at the case. They found that Kayleen claimed Christopher had muscle issues that he did not have and made him use a wheelchair that he did not need. The team was also concerned that Kayleen had tried to get her son on a lung transplant list. They found a photo of Christopher with his hair shaved like a cancer patient and wearing a Make-A-Wish Foundation t-shirt on a GoFundMe page that stated he only had six months to live. A neurologist from Children's Hospital told CPS investigators that he believes Kayleen may have given Christopher something, possibly poison, to induce seizures. The CPS investigation found that Ryan wasn't the only one who had suspicions about Kayleen. One teacher, this this shit is crazy. One teacher at White Rock Elementary was told Christopher's organs had holes in them, like Swiss cheese. But the teacher often observed the child running and playing at recess. When the school nurse reached out to Christopher's doctor to get their orders on how to treat the kid at school, you know, because they have to take care of the kid while he's at school, Kayleen confronted the, uh, the nurse. Kayleen was so upset that she reported the nurse to the school and withdrew Christopher. Because the nurse went and talked to, called the doctor to be like, hey, so uh, Christopher has holes in his organs like Swiss cheese? And the doctor's like, what the fuck are you, what? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, but we don't, don't do, don't do anything. <laughs> so then, so this is, this is the crazy part, right? So Mrs. Bowen did, Miss, Mrs. Bowen did enroll Christopher back in school a few days later. Then after the school held a fundraiser for Christopher, whom they all believed to be deathly ill, his mom withdrew him for a second time. He was just gone, the principal said. In the same school? In the same school. So here's what I think happened. And I have no proof of this, but I really think this is what happened, right? 
she cusses out the school and withdraws her kid for them, you know, overstepping their boundaries or whatever. And then the school freaks out and is like, hey, if you bring them back, we'll throw a fundraiser. Like, we don't want anybody to be uh, insensitive about Christopher. Like, we we believe you. Sorry for the misunderstanding. And she's like, fundraiser. Okay, fine. I'll I'll re-enroll him. So she re-enrolls him. They have the fundraiser. They raise the money. And then she snatches him out again because they're on to her. So she's like, I wasn't going to stick around anyway, but when they said money, I'll come, collect the bag, and then I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm dipping. Yeah. So she, and so she, and she withdrew him again a few days after that. On November 10th, 2017, a CPS investigator went to interview Kayleen at her home. She showed the investigator how she administered oxygen to Christopher and handed over some medical records. Kayleen claimed that Christopher had genetic testing that diagnosed his various disorders. As she spoke, the investigator watched Christopher come down a flight of stairs, leap from the fourth step to that like platform, <laughs> like you know, like wait, wait, it's, the, it's like the steps, then that one step, then two steps. Yeah, his, his Batman cable on? Yeah, I mean, probably. Hey. I mean, the kid came down. Boom! <laughs> teach me how to jerk. Teach me. Teach me how to jerk. And she's like, "Yeah, Christopher just his spine and he has leg braces and he just can't walk." Superman! Boom! He yeah. lands on the thing, does a cartwheel off that, and then goes outside and plays. Yep. So she's like. Yeah, he has, and then she, I guess there was silence, and then she's like, yeah, so he has his good days and his bad days, so this is, one of, his, this is one of his good days, you know, thankfully. So some days, days he can't walk. Some well, days, he's perfectly fine. Some days, he, That's his good days. some days he's in a wheelchair with leg braces, and some days he can just jump from four steps. <laughs> and so so, so the, the jig is starting to become up for her, right? Yeah. So that happens, then the, the CPS person is like, uh, what the fuck, did you just tell me he had leg braces and he can't walk right. and all this shit? I just imagine him doing that. Hi. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm, <laughs> hi, I'm Christopher. You know, he's, he's his whole name. I can spell. She's been telling people he's like mentally challenged. I can do a cartwheel. He's yeah. a fucking backflip and shit. <laughs> this will be sh- I would be. Um, oh, oh, my, my God. God. Yes, yeah, as the CPS person, when you she's giving it. The, the, this is how the meeting has gone so far. You, you and me are. Yeah. I'm, I'm Kayleen, and you're the medical person. I'm yeah. giving you files. Like, yeah, so this is. He's currently has non Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh-huh. and uh, his legs don't work. And um, he, ha- I actually, I'm trying to get him onto a lung transplant list because his legs don't work. And mm. you know, so just really hard being a mom to a kid with special needs like yeah. that. And you know, I'm just trying my best. And you know, you come in here, and I appreciate you know. It's kind of taking up my time when I could be, you know, trying to help my kid. But I appreciate that you guys are doing what you got to do. And, you know, I'm thankful. And you got you got a job to do. We all have jobs to do. You know, my job is taking care of my precious little angel. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, you know um, I don't know if you have any other questions. <gasps> Hi there. I'm Christopher. I know how to do a somersault. And then he does the thing. It's like, yeah. what? Am I at the right house? <laughs> be speechless, man. I wouldn't know what That's the fuck cra- to say. That's crazy. I'll go wait. What? Wait. <laughs> I will so what's this so shit? That, what right. are these files that you gave me? Is this him with the the leg braces from Forrest Gump? What is this? Did you make these leg braces? <laughs> so yeah, so oh that that happened, and right after that, an arrest warrant charging her with injury to child. Oh, in, immediately. In, yeah, yeah, <laughs> immediately. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure she was. I'm sure Kayleen was like, so I don't. You don't need to like tell anybody about what you saw here today and they were like uh I, that's exactly what i'm about to go do <laughs> right now i'm gonna go do that right now but tell everybody what i just saw so yeah so an arrest warrant charging her with injury to a child slash serious bodily harm was issued on november 16th 2017 again so not a meeting because november 10th was the day of the meeting mm-hmm. so less than a short week six days after that meeting the the warrant was filed but yeah. the call was made 
that day. Yeah, they just took them some. Yeah, they just had to took it took them a few days to get everything in order, get all the ducks in a row, and get the warrant signed. But the warrant was signed on November sixteenth, two thousand seventeen. CPS investigators arrived at Kayleen's house with the police. Uh, the mother was sitting on a sofa with her son, sharing a hamburger and fries. Which he's they've been she's been telling them that he has a stomach tube and he can't eat food. Yeah. So red handed again. He's like, I love burgers with ketchup on it. And she's there like <laughs> she's like, Shut the fuck up. I, you're not supposed to eat. He's yeah. Got ketchup and shit all around. Got a juice ring around his mouth. <laughs> I love Hawaiian punch. <laughs> oh, you're not supposed you're only supposed to be on a liquid IV into your veins intravenously. You're not supposed <laughs> to drink juice. So uh so they caught her red handed again, burger in hand. And uh, they told Christopher to go upstairs and pack his bags. They arrested Kayleen and placed Christopher in foster care until he was eventually released to his father. Good. So not long after Ryan was reunited with his son, he took Christopher to the movies. After the movie was over, the lights came up. Christopher was sat slumped over in his seat, eyes closed, not moving. Ryan tried to wake him, but Christopher didn't respond. He picked up the child and carried him out of the theater. When he placed him on the ground... In the hall, Christopher stood up, but his eyes remained closed. He wasn't speaking, and Ryan panicked and took him to the emergency room. After examining the child, he was lying down on one of those, you know, those bi- the gurneys or whatever, the, like, the, you know, the hospital bed. Mm-hmm. One of the doctors picked up Christopher's hand, held it over his face, and dropped it. His hand froze in the air over his face. Christopher would not smack his own face, and the doctors knew it was an act. Ryan told them about his history, and the doctors assured Christopher that everything was going to be okay. No one was upset with him. No one was angry with him. And 20 minutes later, he opened his eyes. So basically, Christopher had become so ingrained at the act and what you do and all this stuff that I guess when they go to the movies with his mom, when it's time to get put back in the wheelchair, you just go act like you're passed out or whatever. That's so he, when the movie was over, he just, it was like muscle memory. So And then even... When he took him out and put him down, he stepped, he stood, but he just acted like he was acting like he was passed out still. So the kid's all fucked up. You oh know, he needs therapy. It's a hell of a situation to go through. Shit, Gypsy Rose ki- got somebody to kill her mom yeah. to get out of that situation. So, you know, this kid's fine. Luckily, he didn't have to go through it until he was fucking 18 years old. But there's there's work to do. And, you know, um, crazy, hopefully man. he gets the help that he needs. Uh Christopher did eventually start to eat and gradually became healthy again. And, you know, his health started to improve. He had the G-tube removed and gained weight. He moved in with his father, paternal grandparents, and half-brother in their home in North Richland Hills and began to adjust to a normal life. That same aunt, Carol Williams, who saw Kayleen in that uh, hospital lobby one day, said she, she noticed that Christopher had some odd eating habits at first, like putting mountains of salt on his food which i don't know if you know i Ugh. i feel like that might have something to do with dietary things like maybe that maybe that maybe she was trying to give him high blood pressure or something you know what i mean like i don't know why that's crazy but I, but th- there's no like explanation for it yeah. but it is odd like for for a kid to even put salt on their food at all Ugh. it's a, like i mean i like salt on my food but like tons of salt Ton- yeah yeah but for a kid gross. to do for a kid to be like mm, this could use salt. yeah like yeah. this could use some pepper like it's, it's an odd thing to put those kind of condiments on your food so it must have been something that she's trying to do. He, but she, not only would he put a bunch of salt on there, he would also put a bunch of hot sauce on his food too. So again, I think it was like salt, hot, too much hot sauce can ruin your stomach lining and too much salt That's can crazy. give you hypertension. So I think that she just ingrained him to like eat awful tasting food 
with the intention of like ruining his health. Yeah. Uh, but those behaviors were gently addressed. Christopher no longer wears thick eyeglasses his mother got for him. And ophthalmologists found that the boy's vision is perfect. Uh, outside of routine physicals, Christopher hasn't been to the doctor since. In, t- in October 2019, Kayleen Bowen-Wright was sentenced to six years in prison after she pled guilty to injury to a child causing serious bodily injury. That's it? Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, Bowen-Wright, Bowen-Wright admittedly, I mean, admitted to subjecting her son to several unnecessary surgeries. So all that six years in prison. I mean, what do you think she deserved? I mean, I, don't, I mean, you're a parent, so you're probably biased. But like, what do you? I mean, she didn't kill anybody. It's awful what she did. But like, what do you think is a proper punishment? Fifteen years is about okay. Well, they wanted eight, so they got six. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I wouldn't. I'm not like opposed to giving her fifteen years. What yeah. she did was awful. I just she don't. Help. I don't think she does. She she definitely deserves. She definitely needs help. Um, it's one of those kind of things where it's like. I think that saying like she deserves life in prison uh, is like drastic. You know what I mean? Like so, it's like what is what is a proper punishment for what she did? It's clearly awful, but you know, I don't know. Six years. If hopefully, I mean, based on our system, I don't think she's gonna get much help. But maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully, she gets some help. And I don't know. I don't know. Should she have custody of her kids again? That's that's really the question because no. she has three children, right? So you know, I, I don't know how you how do you like come back from that. Odd one, man. An odd one. But an interesting story. Like I said, somebody um, tagged me in something on Instagram about a, a mom who had Munchausen by proxy. She adopted a kid from Africa and then was doing all this type of shit for, like, I think she's, like, a YouTube famous person. And she did it to get, you know, sympathy and, and all that kind of shit. Yeah. So um, I didn't do that story, but I, I, I it put me in the mind frame to, to do that kind of story. And so I found this one. And so that was the story of Kayleen Bowen Wright and her son Christopher and a young man named Ryan who had a baby with a crazy person. So, again, uh, this message is brought to you by Trojan Ecstasy or, you know, Durex, Durex condoms, if you use those. I don't know what you guys use. Yeah, uh, well, well, I'm just saying, wrap it up is my point. Having a kid is a real serious thing, so you should think carefully about who your partner is to do that with. And I'm not saying you got to date that person or get married to that person, but I'm just saying you should – at least think that they can handle the responsibility of being a parent. So, uh, yeah, that's my little public service announcement. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it's Fran's turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit, so stick around. All right, welcome back. It's my turn to go. Um, I had a question for you before I get into my story. Please. So what do you have a celebrity that you would love to meet in person if you mm. had the chance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How disappointed would you be? If mm. that if you find out that person was like an asshole, like you Ooh. go out to, I don't know, maybe they doing like a a meet and greet or something. Sure, sure, sure. And then yeah. I'm like all excited, all and excited. then they're like, "Hurry up and take the picture and don't touch me" yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll probably be Kid Cudi. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably be Kid Cudi because that guy, his music really spoke to me at a point in my life where I really resonated with a lot of shit that he said. Yeah. And I and I have this idea in my head of the kind of person that he is. Yeah. And so if he if I just was like, yo man, your your music man, the time of my life, I didn't feel alone. He's like, yeah yeah, whatever. Um, what do you what do you want to do? Peace signs or you know? Like, yeah. Oh damn, okay, you're not the guy that I thought. This hero in my head. Yeah, you're yeah. just like you just said that shit. It didn't mean anything. Yeah, that's the, you know what I mean. That's how I would feel. Like one photo and then go that way. Mm. And then it's like security, like take the photo and then escort it. Yeah, yeah, it'll probably be Kid Cudi. I want to ask you that because my story this week is about. Corey Miller. 
was that? See murder. Oh wow, wow, yeah. yeah, wow. Okay, wasn't like a big see murder guy or anything like that. So me, me, I'm saying. Oh yeah, you me. were or no, no, no? Oh okay. I just found out they they all were brothers. I didn't know. Okay. They oh were, okay. Yeah, yeah. They they were yeah. all related. Family affair, man. Didn't know that. Does the question come up in your thing or like? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So, I was like, I thought yeah, you were about to be like, "See murder," and I'm a big fan of see murder, no. so it really hurts me that he killed somebody or whatever the thing is, right? Uh, yeah. So here we go. I'm gonna get to my story. Okay. So sometimes our heroes let us down. Mm-hmm. There's nothing worse than meeting a celebrity you grew up idolizing, only to find them to be an egotistical jerk. Mm. Well, there's one thing worse. As 16 year old Steve Thomas learned, um. In January 2002. So Steve Thomas' favorite rapper was a man named Corey Miller who raps under the moniker C-Murder. Miller found fame in the late 90s and early 2000s with the wildly popular No Limit Limit Records label owned by rap mogul Master P, C-Murder's brother. I'm a No no Limit Soldier. my, My brother... Bought the, he had the chain. Yeah, yeah. He used to love Master P. It, Master I mean, they P. was so big. It, oh, it was yeah, yeah. it was insane. So by all accounts, Steve Thomas Thomas fandom was typical for a kid his age. He played C Murder and other hip hop mu- music endless, endlessly and decorated his bedroom with posters of the rap star. I can never understand that. I remember my brother used to do that too. I just didn't. What do you mean? What was the magazine? Up, I think it was called like Up. It was called something. Sure, but, but I'm saying, like, I'm, what do you mean? You don't, you don't, I know what you mean as yeah, far yeah. as what you're saying, but like, what don't what do you don't get? I just don't idolize them. I, I never. I moved around a lot as a kid, so I never had like a bedroom, like the like the like the quintessential like room. Like this is the yeah, room yeah. I grew up in. So yeah, I've yeah. never painted a room or put up posters or none of that shit. But I got it. I understood it. I thought it was cool. But I just like. I'm not going to be here that much longer, so why put up shit? Oh. So I never did that, but I, I get it. You know, if you like fucking, you know, Lil Romeo, put a post of Lil Romeo. Oh. I love Lil Romeo. Sorry. I didn't, you didn't have a chance to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did that get uh, sad? I'm sorry. Uh, it just was life, man. I don't know. <laughs> Getting all emotional and shit. <laughs> I was just telling you sorry. I understand, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he had uh, decorated his bedroom with poses as a rap star. There's no there's no record of Steve being overly obsessed or showing any kind of stalking behavior. So not a stan. No, no, no. He just no, liked no, him. No, he just, just a fan. Just a fan, that's it. So C-Murder wasn't quite a household name before the incident, but he was certainly a powerful force within the hip-hop industry. That's why I feel weird is, like, I only know C-Murder because of, like, years of this this story, you know, being around and being like a hip hop kind of legendary thing. Yeah. But he wasn't like big, right? Like, I, you know, for you to have posters and shit in your, you know, so weird to me. Like think, having a Murphy Lee po- poster I, I, in your room or something. But I think you know? just the group, though. Okay, fair. I, think, like, I thought it was like boys, a C murder. People were a fan of. Um, yeah, but like B Jizzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you But if you just had like your post, your room was littered with posters of B Jizzle, it's like weird. Or Murphy Lee from the St. Lunatics. Like, I like Murphy Lee, but he's not a guy that I don't even know where you get a Murphy Lee poster from. Yeah. So when he says C murder, I get it now. It's like it's probably all of them, but he liked C murder as well. Yeah, yeah. just like, like you like any type of group. If you like uh a yeah, group, but I, I but like you G like Unit. The, I like least, 50, I like fifty cents. Least, I didn't have Tony Ayo. Well some people like uh Lloyd Banks. But then, yeah, but Lloyd Banks that's not a good comparison. Why not? Lloyd Banks had hits. Alright. I don't Lloyd C-Murder Banks was, had hits. Name a C he got a platinum. He got like a platinum album. What's your favorite C Murder song? I don't know. That's I what I'm saying. I, I still a, know 
Tony, I mean, Lloyd Banks on fire is a, a hit. But Seymour has a platinum album, though. A platinum album? I think so. Platinum didn't mean what it meant back then. You, oh, anybody could go platinum back then. On, anybody man. could go platinum back then. Everybody had to buy an album to hear it. W- wouldn't it be harder to go platinum then? No, because it's like if you want to hear the music, you can't just download. Like right now, I can just stream a music, but if I want to hear a song, I had to go buy it back then. So every even if I just only like that one song, I got to buy the whole album to hear the song. But he does have a platinum album. He does. That's like, hey, I can't take that from okay. him. Well, you tried to be like, oh, well, it's easier to go platinum. I'm just easy saying, I'm, I'm sure a him. lot of people went platinum back then in 2002. You sound a little, little salty. I'm not salty at all. You I'm sound free. a little salty. You I'm what? free. I'm free. You free? I'm free. You sound a little salty, man. You talk about not having a room decorated. and You talk about people. <laughs> That's just, those don't have, <laughs> those are not mutually exclusive things. I just, talk, those are just things I said. Look, I man, I just, I just like. I'm just saying. I understand why people put posters on their walls, and that's not something I. That wasn't my experience in my childhood. All right. That's all I was saying. Uh, I'm not sound, salty about it. You sound a little salty. I had other things that I got to put up. Like what? You know, like um, perfect attendance. Uh, perfect attendance. Yeah, you know, just you know. You put that on your wall. You know, everybody's achievements mean something special. I threw that shit in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, so um again, this dude was just a big fan. He had plat three platinum albums under his belt and had collaborated with songs with rap uh rap mega stars th- um of the likes of Snoop, mm-hmm. Fat Joe, and Jermaine Dupree. Yeah. So he had three. But again, he also wasn't a household name, which is proving my point that it's like going platinum wasn't that big a deal. It's still a it's still a big deal. You sell yes. a lot of albums, but you also sell a lot of albums off of P off of Master P. Tony Yayo probably went platinum a couple times too. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, you're never wrong. Uh, so when the underage Steve Thomas heard C Murder was performing a show near him in Harvey, Louisiana, oh. he made sure to borrow an old friend's ID so he could get in. Mm, classic fake ID times. He, t- <laughs> he told his parents he was going to a movie and headed to the Platinum Club with a gold luminous foil wrapped around his teeth. <laughs> to look just like the rapper he aspired to be. Wow, that's a throwback. Uh, um, someday. Yep. I've never done that in public though. That's crazy. To go out like that. Yeah. I've done it in the house. Of like, course. Yeah, done look, with your friends. Yeah. I'm Master P, y'all. Yeah. That's my Master P impression. I'm Master P, y'all. But I've never been like, oh, I'm going out tonight, I'm going and out. I'm gonna wrap. I want to be oil around my dad, mouth. I want to be just like them. <laughs> I want to fit in. I can't afford a grill though. But no. what I do have. Is baked potato aluminum foil because that's yep. a different color than the regular aluminum foil. It was like bronze. Is that like a bronze? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it definitely wasn't gold. It was, it was, it was close. Yeah, probably like a bronze. Ugh. Baked potato aluminum foil, and he put that around his teeth. That yeah. is wow. It's a throwback. But what I will say also, go, him leading up to him going to the club. I don't know if there's a better thrill than a fake ID working. It's <laughs> just something about it when they're like. Uh, date of birth, and you're like, uh, March 16th, uh, 1987, because you got to know theirs. <laughs> yeah. What street do you live on? Uh, 123 uh, Rainy Street. You got to like, memorize it? Yeah, and you're like- How long did it take you? Oh, the flight to Miami. Do you just remember? I was just sitting there. I was sitting there like I, oh, I was studying, for like I was trying to be in the Men in Black. You know really? that scene with Will Smith where he's sitting in the bubble thing, and he's trying to take the test the on test, his lap? Yeah, 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 I was doing that with the ID, like heart donor, organ donor. Did they test you? Barely. No. no. Uh, it was Miami, so they were like- Yep, uh-huh, you're black. <laughs> this is black. You're good. It's like, I was already like, do you want to know this? No, here. What was the name? Of the guy? Yeah. Mike. You know the person. You knew the person. I knew right? him, yeah. We yeah, worked yeah. together. Hmm. He, he he highballed me on the license. He was like, oh, uh, yeah, you give me like, uh, that's how he talked. You give me like, uh, I don't know, 85. I was like, for a license you're not using? He's like, yeah, you know, 85 is cool. Uh, thanks, I guess. And Damn. then I went to Miami with no money because I spent it on the ID. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't even have to like study it. 
I know. Yeah, it was just like really. It's very much so. Like it's 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 like sometimes racism is cool because the all the bouncers were white and they were like, yeah, black. Yep, black. Cool. Yeah, you're yeah you're black. So here you go. Thanks. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Steve must have felt um, the excitement for a moment when he seemed to have the opportunity to meet, to make an actual contact with his idol. Mm. Imagining imagining myself as a teenager, I could see how it would be difficult to show, you know, some some type of composure and be like, you know, I can't, I got want to be cool. Like, you know, Hey, or like, yeah, just speak to him. You don't want to like go crazy, but like, Oh, I mean, I have a, I have a audio on my phone of me after a kid Cuddy concert. I, I can play it Screen if you want, but that's up to you. Screen, go ahead. I want to hear. He retweeted me after the concert. Oh my God. I, I tweeted, I tweeted a picture of the stage. Yes. Are you in the car? Yeah. We're driving back from DC. Me and my friend Jay. And now I'm telling him about what I, I I really put craftsmanship into the tweet. What did you say? I say it. That was a little much. That I admit that was a lot. Yeah. Now I'm Jay, informing we Jay that we're now on because Kit Cudi and I are friends because oh he retweeted me. He's gonna yeah. put me in his entourage, man. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Oh. Delusional. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yes. You thought. Pause that. <laughs> you thought. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. You break this down for a second. <laughs> Go ahead, please. You yeah, thought. Break no, break it down. Because you went to the concert. Mm-hmm. And you retweeted the stage, yeah. and he retweeted that he was going to call I, you I have retweet, and message I, you. I don't just retweet anybody. And say, can you join me on tour? Is that crazy? Yes. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Do you want to stop? Or? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I'm prospering, Jay. I'm prospering. I did oh, prosper Twitter, very much on Twitter that night. He's got thousands of retweets and likes this, oh. this tweet. Oh, my God. He's out of breath here. Oh. Lonely Stoner, Jay. It's one of his monikers. He's the Lonely Stoner. Me, yeah. man. God, I can't That's the end of it. What is wrong yeah. with you, man? What do you mean? I don't know what you mean. What? Success? <laughs> it was a successful <laughs> night for me on Twitter, man. It was. I am. <laughs> I was, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm you just saying. You made it. Yeah, I did. I did. I thought, I thought me and him were homies now. That's what I thought, you know? But, you know, so I understand the mind frame of this kid. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah, so... Um, this is from the person who wrote this article. They were saying that, you know, I imagine myself meeting somebody that I idolize mm-hmm. and having that chance, that close contact to actually have, have the opportunity to meet this person. Sure. And it says, uh, so to approach my favorite musician presented itself, itself and, and, it said, and then Steven's excitement turned into terror as things went horribly wrong. 
So a few details have emerged about exactly um, how things went went bad when Thomas um, encroached on C Murder's personal space, right? Oh, so, so he I, walked up on him. He, so it was there was a um, I saw a picture. It was a video, but it was a, I don't think that was the right video for some reason. But it was a it was like a picture of like they were showing the little arrow of of Steve and mm-hmm. then his C Murder and his bodyguards or whatever yeah. his his group that he was with. And I guess he was just like, I'm going to go up to say, you know, I'm a little I, love you, I will man. approach him to let him know I'm a fan of his music. Yeah. I'd never been to a concert and thought that, though. I, I yeah. went to that Kid Cudi concert to hear Kid Cudi's music. Yeah. I wasn't like, and then I'm going to go and then maybe I'll meet him and we'll shake hands. Like, you know, nobody should go to a concert with thinking that's going to happen. Yeah. I get it, though. I mean, him especially to, not somebody named C Murder. Yeah. I about to say with the, the name alone, I would go. I'm not. I'll be like, hey, yeah, yeah. So my hand hey, man, I give him a salute, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is like the most traditionally, like you know, uh, you know, stereotypically heterosexual. Like, hey, man, I'm not weird. I'm not even super gassed to see you, even though I am internally. Salute to you. Keep doing your thing. And then it's like, that's how you got to do those guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got him see murder. I'm not gonna be like, come try to give him a hug. Yeah, you do that. And I think this was in uh, oh, what what year was this? I thought you said 2002. 2002. Right? 2002 okay, now. I was about to say these guys um, probably have real beef. They're in Louisiana too. That's where they're from. Like they probably are on high alert. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I, that's what I was gonna bring up. Yeah, yeah. So like, just wasn't a good idea. But I get it. Though. He's and a fan he, though. He, he, he doesn't fan. know it's not a he good does. idea. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. So a few, te- a few details emerge about uh, exactly how it went bad when Thomas encroached on C Murder's personal space. What we do know is that he was quickly issued a severe beating mm. by Miller's entourage of at least. 15 people. Oh, damn. The rap star himself landed many blows, and then a shot rang out, accompanied by a furious Miller shouting, do you know who the fuck I am? Oh, that's crazy. Yep. So most of, most of the attendees scattered after the gun was fired, and few who were around when the police arrived were willing to talk. So nobody was like, mm, Yeah. Not getting nothing out Did, of You me. didn't see anything. Yep. This wasn't the first time C. Murder was alleged to have pulled his gun in anger. He had been found guilty in previous in a previous incident in Baton Rouge where he shot at a club owner, and I think it was like the club owner and like the bouncer of the club, who refused to let him in with his firearm. Oh, uh, that's crazy. But again, I also don't know. Um, we're just, I don't want to like um, villainize the guys, the kid Steven, but like we weren't there. I don't know how he approached him. But a right. fifteen people jumping, even if he was, even if it came off aggressive, way much too much of a reaction. Yeah, like it was I, yeah. an overcorrection. Right. I just don't like I said. We don't know how he approached. We don't know if he like had his hand in his pocket and he went to go. That's what I mean. Shake his hand, but they was like, "Whoa!" You yeah, know, that's what just, I mean. Just reacted off of that yeah. and just. But I mean, they pounded that kid out. That's crazy. People? That's crazy. That's crazy. That's that is nuts. That's yeah. That's nuts. And and for the, and for him to like have that many people around him, and then you also jump in, and then somebody pull out a gun. Yeah, like I don't even Way know. Way too much of a, that, of a that response. That is insane. Uh, so yeah, so while awaiting retrial, so so what happened was, um, he, I mean, obviously he he was um, shot and killed. Was, yeah, dude, he yeah he, he was shot and killed, and um, Miller was eventually found guilty of the crime, and then his his trial was just. A whole bunch of shit going on because, like, I saw a video of Silk the Shocker. He went on, he did a video, and he was like, part of him being convicted was his name, like, his name, and like, they oh, was, yeah, his lyrics. His, his lyrics, and it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of evidence to saying he shot the person. Shot the person. Yeah. 
So um so while rating his retrial, Miller was placed under house arrest. Um Sasson, I think, who was um one of his lawyers, allowed Miller to promote his his now yet to be titled C D and his and his novel Death Around the Corner. So he was like doing music. Probably and, to pay for his well no he's 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 Master P's family, right? His, that's his brother. Okay, yeah. well then I wouldn't. I was gonna say maybe they he like how OJ had to sell his sports memorabilia while he was in jail to make money. Yeah, I thought maybe he was selling his album or promoting a book to make money nah, to pay for his. Man, I'm I, sure he's I, taken care of. Yeah, he was taken care of. Um, yeah, so he was he was uh, able to promote um, his CD. He was making music. He wrote a novel, and while um, while under house arrest, um, but ruled that a gag order pertaining to the case would remain in effect. The terms of the house arrest required Sasson's permission of all visitors, including reporters. So on March 13, 2007, Sasson granted Miller's request to work on his music career in a, in a, on a per-request basis, but denied his request for a 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. curfew. That's all day. I don't know if that's a curfew. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> what, what time do you... <laughs> Just you can't be out late at night, but yeah. you can be out all day. <laughs> Wait, so he's from, from 2002 to 2007, he's out on bail? He was a house arrest. Oh, wow. He was a house arrest. That's a good gig. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. That is, the again, how I was talking about the legal system is a for-profit situ, situation. Yeah. Nobody gets that. Yeah. A murder trial? And so, you've I'm been sorry, home I, think, for- I think Sasson was the judge. I'm sorry. I think that was the, that oh, okay. was the judge. Yeah, even yeah. so, whoever, but still, the, the, but yeah, five yeah, yeah. years and they, you're on, you've been out. He's out. House yeah. arrest or not. Any kind of, even if he had a curfew that's from... Seven to three o'clock. You get to go outside too. Yeah, all day. That's crazy. Just all day. That's wild. Uh, that was the night. Music though, right? and all kinds of yeah. Shit. You could, yeah, <laughs> doing features. Right. That's crazy. Uh, so Sasson's ruling in the case became an issue, and her failed 2008 bid for re-election. Mm. Sasson was defeated by Judge Ellen Kovic, who uh, J- Judge Ellen Kovic prosecutor subsequently renewed a request to have Miller re- return to jail. Mm. Probably, so that's ran, they, probably ran on that. That's when that's when she got like that's when she got started getting messed. That prosecutor probably ran for that job oh, on like th- sure. this judge is letting murderers be out on the streets free yep. w- walking around, and that's how they got the job. So that was the first thing they did. Yep. Wow. So during January of 2009, Miller was con- confined to his residence on house arrest and could only leave for a documented medical emergency. On May 27, 2009, Miller pleaded no, no contest to two counts of attempted second degree murder. These charges stem from a 2001 incident in Baton Rouge, which Miller fired one shot. This is one I was telling you about. Um, he fired one shot after which it jam- jammed from a semi-automatic pistol at the owner and bouncer of the nightclub, who refused to let la- who refused to let to allow Miller to enter the business with the gun. And Miller was sentenced to 10 years with the credit for time served and mm. surveillance. They had um, they was just saying that they had video of this incident that happened. So he was fighting both of these cases simultaneously. Yep. Wow. So on August 9, 2009, the murder trial began. The father of the victim spoke of his son being a fan of C-Murder before the incident. A bouncer also testified against Miller, saying he witnessed the shooting. He expressed, he expressed fear of repercussions for his testimony. Mm. And prosecutors also charged C-Murder's associates with uh, witness tampering. So on August 10th of 2009, the jury reported being deadlocked. But Judge, Han- Judge Hans um, Le- Legenberg instructed them to attempt to resolve the deadlock. Three hours later, the jury returned to announce it reached a 10 to 2 verdict, guilty verdict. Mm. The judge, the judge suspected that given a deadlock announced earlier, followed by the quick re, um, reversal, one of the jurors decided to switch under pressure to end the trial and instructed the jury to go back and deliberate 
to go back and deliberate on the case longer. Well, so that's people, not, that's not cool, right? So, so when they return with the same ten to two verdict, Miller was convicted of second degree murder. During sentencing, the victim's father said, "I'm not rejoicing. I feel bad for Miller's family, but at least they can see him. What we have, what we got, um, but a gravesite and a photograph." C. Murder was sentenced on August 14th by District Judge Hands to uh, mandatory life imprisonment. That's a tough one, man, because 15 people there, you got people, in, and a lot of times in, with these rap rappers and situations mm-hmm. and stuff, you got all these people who are really from, I'm not saying C. Murder wasn't, but you're surrounded by people who are like really from the bottom and they're, they're trying to prove their worth and make sure they can stay on the gravy train. So it's like, I'm going to do the most hardcore shit to let you know I really ride for you. Yeah, yeah. And that person could have pulled out the gun and been like, you put your hands on C-Murder? Yeah. And shot him. And then you got these people also messing with witnesses and like... And they think that's them looking out for their guy to be yeah, like, yeah. man, you better, you better shut the fuck up. Right. And then you just made it worse for him. Yeah, yeah. Because it all... It's the same thing that happened. And again, I don't know any of the details. Well, I only know what the, the ruling said as far as the Tupac situation goes. So it was Tupac got sent to prison for raping a woman. Mm-hmm. And in the judge ruling, it was it said like he left. But he got sent to prison because it's like your res- it's your room, you're Tupac. So you're responsible for whatever happens. Because he to- has his biggest name. So yeah, like, and it's like you, yeah, you yeah. have to control anybody yeah. who comes into that space you're responsible for because you paid for the room and all this type of stuff like yeah. that, right? So if he even if C-Murder didn't shoot the person, it's his fault. Yep. And he he's the biggest name, so that's who's going to get it's going to get pinned on. Yeah. You know? But for me, I feel like if that I'm That sucks, but I mean like what do you what yeah. do you expect? Yeah, I mean, like when you when, when it goes into the court of public opinion, your name's going to be the one that's going to get uh, the, of course. The, the the headline and yeah. stuff like that. And the crazy part is, if, to me, whenever I see these, like, it's crazy to me that Mike Vick went to prison. Right? Mm-hmm. What he did was fucked up. Yeah. But if I'm Mike Vick and I'm paying all these people and you whatever, you killed those dogs. Yeah. You, why would you send the person who makes the money? Why would you? Some you got to step up and just take that. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's my point. If I'm C Murder's entourage, one of y'all are gonna step up and say, "I I did this," but that's not gonna happen. No. But it's like you cut the head off the snake. It's like everybody's got to go back to the bottom now. Yeah, one of y'all could have just stepped up and said it was me. We got the leader. I, we got the leader out of the way. Yeah, so just... I I would think that's why you would have an entourage yeah, yeah. for those type of situations, so you don't drive drunk, yeah. you don't carry the firearms, all that kind of stuff. Now they can't protect you from yourself, right? But they're supposed to get you out of the way, and we did that. Yeah. So I don't even. That's crazy to me that he's even. There's 15 people there. They all jumped on this kid. And C murder, nobody stepped up and was like, no, nah, I did that. Yeah. Because also, I know C murder's gonna take care of my kids yeah, or yeah. my family or whatever, yeah. you know. But that shooting at the other club. Oh, that didn't help, help either. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, this dude does this all the time at all. Yeah. yeah. Right. It all look it all looks bad. Right. His name's C Murder. It all right. looks it all looks really yep. bad. Uh yeah, so on August 27, thousand nine, Ernest Johnson, the president of Louisiana NAACP, requested an investigation into the jury deliberations. C Murder's financial woes reportedly landed him the help of two Harvard attorneys, one of them named Ronald Sullivan, um, who have agreed to assist with his appeal. One of the jurors, Mary Jacob, said that 
said that both she and a fellow juror, a 20-year-old student at Xavier University of Louisiana, were verbally abused by fellow jurors for their decision to acquit. Mm. According to Jacob, the abuse the abuse resulted in her switching her verdict. That's the one they said. I'm guessing that's the one they said that that um switch under pressure. Yeah. Saying they literally made this 20-year-old girl so violently ill, she was shaking so bad, she ran into the bathroom. She was throwing up, she was throwing her guts up. She couldn't function anymore. That's when I decided the judge don't want to the judge don't want to listen to me. Um, doesn't want to listen to us. I told them, you want him to be guilty. He's guilty. Now let's get the hell out of here. Mm. This account was partially confirmed by another juror. Um, in Louisiana, a 10 to 2, a 10 to 2 consensus is sufficient for conviction, but a 9 to 3 consensus results in a mistrial. As a result, Miller appealed um, the conviction. Mm. On December 8, 28, 2011, his conviction was upheld. On February 19th of 2013, Miller's final appeal was rejected by the Supreme Court after a jury voted 10 to 2 to convict Miller. Miller's attorney argued that because federal juries must reach unanimous verdicts in criminal cases, Miller should have not been convicted in Louisiana. But that's all, folks. Yeah. Right? That's the last appeal anyway. Yeah. So either way, right? <laughs> yep. So damn. On April second, tw- on April second, twenty fourteen, Miller's attorney, Rachel Connor, filed a post conviction relief application in state court of, of Gretna, she raised 10 points. I don't understand this part. She raised 10 points to support her assertion that her client received no fair trial. Connor says she plans to raise additional points. Primary, amo- primary of, um, among the assertions is what she described as um, irregularities during the jury's deliberation, stating one juror cast a guilty vote, not based on the evidence, but because she wanted to end deliberations mm-hmm. to protect another juror who refused to convict Miller but was targeted by other jurors to change her mind. That's the girl. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's the girl. Um, so this woman changed her vote because she's like, stop bullying that girl. Yep. So let's get the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 so that's yeah, the one. That's yeah. the one. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but they were saying that, you know, he had a mistrial. They wasn't going off evidence. They was yeah, going they off. they were trying to get out of there. They, they trying to get out of there. Past, his past shit that he was going through. His name is C-Murder. Yeah. His name played a big part. His, his sure. brother said his, his his name played a big part. Yeah, that's the thing that's happening today. Um, a lot, um, is that's what happened with Bobby Schmurder and stuff. Is people's lyrics are being brought up in in trials, and I don't know how I feel about that because you know some sometimes you got to let art be art. But if they can directly pinpoint that you say, yeah, and I shot him at the gas station at t-, and it, and they really prove that, yeah. I mean, shit, man. And his I, name is C. C. Murder or yeah. Bobby Schmurder and all kinds yeah, of shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, it's just the it's the them aggressive ass rap names, man. Yeah, it's like if you're gonna rap about this stuff, I feel like. Well, I mean, listen. Uh, one of the hardest rappers in the world is named Da Baby. Yeah, and that guy fucking. Don't approach him. Yeah. Just leave him alone. Yeah. Let that man be a baby. And most of the most of the ones like that have you know, just regular rap. King Von. No rest in peace, but I mean that dude was, you know, from just music and with other people saying that dude was real. Yeah, his name is not, uh, name is not King Murder yeah, or whatever. Killer, Killer Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah so uh, again, Miller was eventually found guilty of the crime, but the legal proceedings have been uh, fought with controversy. There have been multiple um, accusations of witness intimidation on those who are alleged to have seen Murder pull the trigger. 
On the other side, many believe the trial had been unfair to Miller because of the lack of physical evidence mm. and the fallibility of eyewitnesses' accounts. Also, one juror has um, said that she felt bullied by the court and fellow jurors to convict him against her judgment. Nonetheless, C-Murder has received a life sentence and has been incarcerated for over a decade. Mm. He continues to release music from prison and maintain his innocence. Wow. Yep, so Steve's family, Steve Thomas' family believe Mur- Miller killed their son. Mm-hmm. And have lobbied heavily for his incarceration. When the guilty verdict was announced in the courtroom on September 2003, the Thomas family is reported to have turned to the fallen rap star and proclaimed, do you know who the fuck we are? Oh, damn. Oh, that's, oh, that's poetic. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yep. And this is also one of those situations where it's like, yeah, all that shit sounds like um, that. that's a rough go in court, like as far as your trial. And mm-hmm. there might be some some like um an argument there for you know habeas corpus like your shit not going the way it's supposed to go or you're having an unfair trial but you were there and you jumped on that kid like i mean again even if you didn't pull the trigger like it was your entourage y'all jumped it's not a situation where c murder's like i was at home asleep right it would be a whole laugh before yeah i wasn't even there or something like that yeah this that's not this you were there and then you said this like slogan or whatever you know what i mean like oh that's crazy and then they brought it up back and try like that's crazy yeah, yeah yeah um so just a little side note here the so he's 49 years old at the time of this article that i'm reading so he's currently incarcerated at the um elaine hunt correctional center where he will probably remain for the rest of his natural life if he mm. can't prove his innocence which he maintains to this day so he's like i didn't but he's out of appeals anyway right oh yeah he's not I but mean, he's yeah. just like i maintain innocence so he also continued to release music from behind bars with his latest record being um, in January of 2021. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's called Don't Want to Trap No More. Was the song. Um, uh, they would say that, that Kim Kardashian has been advocating for Seymour's release for quite some time now, reinforcing that there, that there seems to be no physical evidence against him. I mean, I... That I'm is what sure she's doing I, now, right? Yeah, like, she. but apparently she failed the bar. I don't really know... Um, I don't fucking, I don't keep up with those people. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's great that she, she's advocating for him. That's that's great. I, if if there's no physical evidence that he shot the gun, I, I understand that. Yeah. But my point, again, it, it, it just always goes back to the kid was there to see him. Yeah, man. The kid approached him. Yep. They all jumped on the kid. So, unless somebody comes out and goes, no, I was there. I'm his entourage. I pulled out the gun and shot him. There's not going to be, he's not getting out. No. This is not, a, again, this is not a story, a case where it's like, I wasn't even in Louisiana that night. Yeah. It's like, no, he was right there when that kid died. So in all the chaos and commotion, the biggest name got the got got the rap put on him, and nobody in his entourage has come forward. and and Because that would get him out. Yes, but. If a guy came out and was like, I have the gun, I kept the gun still, yeah, and yeah. It, it was me and I did it, then he would be out. But the jump, a, a teenage kid, Fifteen people, and then somebody to all shoot, shoot a gun because he would have. That is, I mean, a, I mean, a damn. fifteen person ass whooping was a lesson. In, whatever he did, if he approached them in a crazy way, or if they were just on high alert, maybe see murder had an altercation before the night that, before or possibly, something, yeah. and so they were on high alert. A fifteen man ass whooping would have sent that kid just the message that he needed. Yeah, don't don't go to see murder concerts, but to kill him is crazy. Like that was all of it was a a a. Too much of a response to whatever they perceived as a threat or disrespect or whatever. Yeah. So Kim Kardashian, 
you know, what keep doing your thing or whatever. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not like on the free C murder train after hearing that story, you know? Yeah. Like, I didn't, I knew he was in prison, but I didn't, I didn't, I thought it was like, like drug charges. I didn't sure. know it was to this extent. I thought it was something else. Yeah. Other than somebody C- being murdered. murdered. Yeah. yeah. Somebody being murdered. I mean, his name is C murder. But yeah, man, look, knows. man, you, sometimes you met words have power, man. You met, sometimes you manifest shit around you. You know, Biggie Smalls used to rap about death a lot. Tupac used to rap about death a lot. And, some people believe that they conjured that. You know what I'm saying? You speak that shit into existence and shit. Mac Miller would he raps about overdose and and, yeah. and doing drugs and all. You know, sometimes you can speak that shit into existence. You know his house went up for sale. Mac Miller's house? Yeah. I mean, that's not like crazy. It's not. He's not Prince. But I yeah, I, no, I, I like I like Mac just, Miller. But I'm just saying, like, this is. Hmm. I wouldn't want to live in, um, you know, somebody. Did he die in the house? Yeah, he died in the house. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, 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 I just I, I would just, keep that house if I was his family. But again, I, yeah. I'm not. He again, when I say he's not Prince, I just mean like. Like um, per, uh, like it should be like a Paisley Paisley Park yeah. is where Prince lived, and it's like that's like a museum. And now. Yeah, it's like a whole. It's like no, or like Elvis lived in Graceland. Like I don't think it's like oh Mac Miller's house. Nobody should ever live in there. But if I was his family, I probably would keep the house. I mean, yeah, he died in it. It was his house. But I'm not like surprised that somebody sold it. Yeah, but yeah, man, yeah, rest in peace, Mac Miller. But again, like um, C Murder. You know, I'm sure his lyrics. I don't again. I can't. I can't tell you a C Murder song off the top of my head. But I'm sure a lot of his lyrics was like. And I kill him, and I, you know, I'm sure, you know, a name like C Murder, I'm sure he's not rapping about going to the club. But I mean, even though he goes to the club and shit goes wrong there too. But um, <laughs> yeah. um, sometimes you speak that shit into existence, man. So I don't know. Yeah. So I, I thought I should tell that story. I didn't. One of them story I came across, I don't know how the fuck I came across it. I don't know what I was looking at, but I was yeah. like, oh shit. I didn't know it was. That. I didn't know he killed somebody. For one. Yeah. And I didn't know that it was. Well, we don't know he killed somebody. Yeah, true. But I didn't, and I didn't know it was the person that that got was killed a was a fan. Yeah, that's yeah. That's the one thing you don't. I mean, when I went to that Kid Cudi concert, I death was the last thing right. I even thought about happening. Right. And that's Kid Cudi. Yeah. Maybe if I went to the C Murder concert, I'd be like, man, I hope nobody shoots this place up. But I definitely wouldn't think. I hope C Murder doesn't shoot me. You know what I mean? Like that's the. <laughs> When but he that, saw C it Murder, like, it was like, I'm sure it was like the best moment of his life. Yeah. If, if we're going off of the narrative that this kid's a fan and he approached him with love. and This couldn't have been if, a big party, though. Like a club. Like this wasn't like on a, I mean, there probably was a stage, but this wasn't like stage, a big ass yeah, stage. Yeah, no, this wasn't like, like at, at like Wells Fargo right, Arena. This right. was at uh, like a, a small club. I'm right. Sure. Yeah. So he has to walk down and walk past every fucking body with 15 people around. Yeah. And then one person comes up to go, I'm your biggest fan. Yeah. And shit went sideways. And shit went sideways. Yeah. Damn. But rest in peace to Steve Thomas. I mean, rest it's in unfortunate. Peace for sure. Yeah, it's unfortunate for that. But um, that was my story of uh, C murder. It's a great story, man. Yeah. I, um, uh, I didn't know those details either. We we for for people who don't know, people who don't follow hip hop culture, or black culture, whatever you want to categorize this as, the C murder thing has been referenced in black shows and stuff for a long time. And I and I only know of C murder because he was on No Limit Records, which is um, Master P's record label and yeah. you know all that stuff. So I know the lore and I know the story of C-Murder, but I didn't know the details. I also think he might have dated Monica at this time or something mm-hmm. like that. She still advocates for him, I think. It's a lot of stuff where I don't know the full details, but I know some of the stuff. Mm. And so this was really like um, enlightening for me is like learning about something you knew about, kind of. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get into these good vibes. Good, 
goes first, Brian? You go. I'll go first. Okay. Yep. Uh, welcome to the Good Vibe segment. My Good Vibe this week is about Jaden Smith. And he's always in. Jaden Smith? Jaden Smith. Icon living. Yeah, man. You know what's it's crazy? He doing all this good, all this good shit for people in the community. And his dad is making, like, TikTok. Yeah, Will Smith is very active <laughs> on social media, man. It's like a, it's like this inverse, like you know, Jaden Smith is making that just water shit, and yeah. you know, he cares about the environment. And Will Smith's like, I'm trying to get a million likes. Yeah, it's it's like, like they're the complete opposite people. Yeah, very much so. It's, it's weird, <laughs> it's, it's uh, but but I love Will Smith, man. Yeah, 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 yeah me too. <laughs> uh, so paying it forward is something that that's in Jaden Smith's genes. He played an instrumental role in the Just Water campaign helping provide clean drinking water to the residents of Flint, Michigan. Then, on his 21st birthday two years ago, the rapper-actor launched the I Love You Restaurant, a vegan food truck initiative to combat food insecurity in Los Angeles for Los Angeles homeless. Beautiful. Our mission is to spread love to communicate to communities experiencing food and or housing insecurity by offering water along with fresh, high-quality, and delicious, sustainable meal options. Mm. Which is good. Like, I mean, he's... Offering free food for the homeless, which is also healthy food. For sure. Smith's vegan meals found their way to 80,000 of L.A.'s Skid Row residents. Eventually, I Love You efforts were expanded to to severe at-risk residents in Harlem, New York City. Mm. We were not able to actually get our food truck down to Skid Row and physically hand it out to people for obvious reasons. Um, You're thinking about everything happening with COVID-19 and people having to stay home and all this stuff. Well, if you're homeless, you can't stay home. So we've been donating everything that we can. Vegan food, masks, clothes, hand sanitizer, and all different types of things. Beautiful. Although normal is still a way off, Smith is pivoting his I Love You concept yet again. With plans for a more permanent, non-rolling version of his restaurant on the table. Smith is parlaying the success of his past efforts into the next phase. The pay-as-you-can pay philosophy on which the new endeavor is based takes a page from the venerable drive through feel-good tradition of paying not only for your own eats, but for those of the occupant in the following car as well. Mm. Only Smith is taking the feel-good one step further. While anyone will be welcome to partake of the yet-to-be-announced locations fair, those who can afford the suggested uh, menu prices will be, will be, in effect, subsidizing meals for those who can't. It's for homeless people to get free food, Smith said. But if you're not homeless, not only do you have to pay, but you have to pay for more than the food's worth so that you can pay for the person behind you. Mm. It sure sounds like a great way to serve up some good karma to us, but we were just wondering, can we get vegan fries with that? Um, so I think that's pretty good that he's doing this. Yes. Also making people do good deeds. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think that's pretty dope. It's a little utopian. I hope it works. I really do. Um, I just, I don't know, man, this pandemic, I lost a lot of faith in humanity and I just have concerns. I really, the stuff I've seen in this last year has been crazy. And I, I just wouldn't hope somebody wouldn't be like, shit, man, you know, they give out free food. If they think you're homeless at that restaurant, go in there and tell them you're homeless. You know what I mean? I yeah. hope that it's more of people who do have the money honoring the system. Cause it's an honor system. Yeah. You know, and I just lost faith that people have honor in 2020 and I hope that that's restored. But you know, I just, I hope that they follow the the trend of the honor part more than the free part 
Mm. I hope that that happens. Yeah, I really wow. do because it's a it's a really beautiful idea if it works. Yeah, it's, I, it's a beautiful idea in practice. I hope or in in I, in thought. I hope that in practice it works out. Yeah, because I would absolutely go to a place and it's like, oh, like if the person behind me is homeless, if I pay double for what I'm eating. He eats for free. Yeah, I'm all in. But then, what if the person behind me isn't homeless and he's just like, "Oh, if I just say I'm homeless, I get free food." Yeah, just come up with some bummy clothes. Yeah, just, just come in, just bummy clothes. That bummy clothes are in now. Yeah, looking I mean, yeah. disheveled and a mess is yeah, like yeah, yeah. the shit. Yeah. So yeah, but you know, I, I mean, shout out to Jaden Smith. He's always he's a he's a visionary man. The kid's always thinking forward, and you know, he's always trying to help the world. And I respect that. So I hope that that works out. I really do. I'm not trying to be a pessimist by any means. Um, my good vibe story this week is a little more uh, focused in on one home than um, all, you know a whole pa- a whole crisis. Um, so my story is about a local, uh, I mean a Los Angeles two year old girl who became the youngest Mensa member. So Mensa is like the society, a genius society. Like it's a club you can become in. You have to have a certain IQ to get into the club, and it's like just like a social club for geniuses. Hmm. So uh, a two-year-old Los Angeles girl with an IQ of 146 has become the youngest member of Mensa in the United States. Her parents, Sukjit Athwal and Devon and Devon Quest, said their daughter, Cash Quest, who is two years old, was accepted into Mensa, the world's oldest high IQ society, after scoring 146. I need to find out. I don't even know what an IQ test is. Like, if they just ask you, you know... What are the parts of a wave and stuff like I wouldn't be able to do that. But if it's more of like um, critical thinking skills, I don't know. I'd like to see how I fared in the IQ test. But anyway, the conversations they have, though. Oh, crazy. It's about string theory and all kind of cr- shit that I it would be. I would be very fascinated to hear. But if they were like, we're all sitting around with seven ups in our hand and they're like, now you say a thing. I'd be like, I got to go. Like they all, they're like, yeah, so the heart, the valves, and then you break the thing. And so when you go into that, actually, I'm trying to be, get my degree in becoming a heart surgeon. What are you doing, Alvin? I'd be like, I'm, I'm really trying to get into editing I think, video. I, I think it, it would be like them. <laughs> edit video. I think it would be like them trying to outsmart each other. Basically, I think so, too. I just wouldn't oh, have anything God. to contribute. I would yeah. love to be a fly on the wall, but if they, but just as much as I'd love to be a fly on the wall, the opposite of that, like being actually in the room as a person in a suit and a tie, would give me so much anxiety. Yeah, because they'd be like, "Now you, what do you think about things?" Yeah, I'd be like, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> just back out slow. No, yep. back out slow. So her her score of one hundred and forty six is nearly fifty points higher than the ninety eight point average in the United States. Damn. Yeah, and she's two. She's two. She's two years. I thought old. you said she was like fourteen. No, she's two years old. She's 24 months old. That is insane. The parents said Cash can read full sentences, count to 100, which I, I mean, I mean for two, that's incredible. But I mean, maybe there's a scale for that's Mensa. incredible for two. Yeah. No, I'm saying that's an understatement for it to be incredible. Yeah, no, it is. It is incredible. Oh. That's why I'm thinking maybe the, the IQ test must be like critical thinking because like it has to be relative. Yeah. Like she's she's smart for her age is what I'm thinking. Because being able to read full sentences and count to 100 is amazing for two. But if I wanted to get in Mensa and those were my criteria, that was like if I put that on my uh, application, yeah. like I can count to 100 and I can read full sentences. Like, duh, be like you, should uh, be you should, you're 29 years old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so she can identify all 50 states. Now we're getting, okay, now we're talking. Oh, that's fucking, that, wow. I can't At name, two years old, man. That is, that's, that's for any age. I maybe can name 20 states. Yeah. Uh, just off the top of my head, like just yeah. go, like if I just went now, if you give me some prep time, I could probably I could probably get to 50. But 
all 50 at two? It's incredible. She is now working on identifying periodic table elements by their symbol and learning Spanish. So this, wow. I mean, this kid's, this kid's phenomenal, man. Uh, she'll wake up. So this is a quote from her parents. She'll wake up on a Saturday and say, I want to do elements or I want to do states. So whenever, Boring. <laughs> so, so, uh, so whenever she's leaning into it, we're just there to support her. The parents said they don't pressure her, pressure the girl to achieve and say in many ways, she's a normal toddler. Elements? Elements. I want to do elements. Yeah, all the elements on the stage. Magnesium. So how are you supposed to, as a parent, what are you supposed to do? Get the periodic table out, man. Yeah, I can't, I can't teach it to you, but yeah. I, can, I will learn it together. Yeah. That's all you do. We'll learn it together. Now, you know periodic table a little bit. Not more than her, because she's just a sponge. But I know some shit. That's, That's crazy. Though. Sodium. Dude, what do, you, what do you think is just them hearing it and it just sticks? Because I know they, I was, oh, there no, was I a, think that some people are just born with like higher brain capacity. But I mean, like, how did how did she be? How did she learn it? Is what? Oh I mean. yeah, you you have to have parents that are putting you in front of stuff that you know constantly challenge you. Yeah, but I mean, she's just gifted with a gift that she it when she hears stuff she's she's, just, a, she's, a bigger, she's a she's a bigger she's a bigger sponge. She's yeah, a yeah, she's yeah. A, I think she naturally is a bigger sponge. But her, having parents that feed that is great too. Yeah, one I, thing. Yeah, well, go ahead. No, I'm saying I heard a story where it was like a kid who was like maybe like four or five and he can name any can name any car like oh yeah a model and make. And I'm like, what do you, is it just, they just, they just see it and it yeah, just. Hey, well, that kid probably has like an iodetic memory or, you know, something like that, that helps him. And he has an interest in cars. So the two combine in a really yeah, cool yeah. way, you know. But one of the funniest things I've ever seen was me and Sierra laugh at this all the time. So they, you know, they have like America's Got Talent. Yeah. Well, they have like Bulgaria's Got Talent and Hungary's Got Talent and Scandinavia's Got do Talent. They? Yeah. Every country has a, they've got talent. Now, mm-hmm. all everybody's talents aren't the at the same yeah, or, yeah. you know, every, all talents aren't created equally. But there's one, I don't remember what country it is, but there's a, it's a kid on a stage and he's just naming countries on the map. Like they don't have any names on them. And, but it's a, it's America's Got Talent. Yeah. And I, I don't know if he won the whole thing, but me, that's what me and Sierra laugh about because he's just, he's like four years old. And he's just like, Madagascar, bing. And the, the crowd's like, oh, wow, it's amazing. But after like 11 of doing that, you're like, all right, are you, is this it? Is this is all he, you do? Is he pointing at where they at? Yeah, well, the you know the the um the the there's a big screen, a digital screen, and then it'll light up the the shape of the of the country. But is he pointing where it's at? No, he's it's just... being pointed out to him with no words on the map. Oh, he's just and he's naming. And he's like that shape is Afghanistan. Oh, okay. Bing. And then people are clapping. Oh, okay. But this goes on for like twenty countries. Okay. And by by five, you're like, is this the talent? Like this is like not a talent. This is like. Memory. Yeah, this is like, like this a spelling bee. This is like, yeah, exactly. It's exactly. It's like, <laughs> so so somebody has to come after this kid and sing "Toxic" by Britney Spears. Yeah, that's the. What are we doing here? But it's hilarious to me. But anyway, this kid, she, this kid that I watched on that talent show, should be in this and yeah. not on a TV show trying to. It's not a talent. Anyway, this kid's amazing. The parents are encouraging her and pushing her, and that's what you need. You don't want if you if you have that natural ability, you still need to be fed. Yeah. One thing sure. I one thing I saw I saw people saying that like one of the worst things you can do or not worst things but like one like people think that babies need to be babied. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I've seen videos of of kids who are like 1 2 years old and their parents talk to them in full sentences and that challenges your kid to progress faster. Yeah. As opposed to being like, "Oh, you want binky binky?" or all that no. shit, you know, all that I don't do that, my <laughs> job. I go trash and he was like, he goes picks it up and he throws it in. Yeah, trash. so that doing that <laughs> Challenges your child to yeah. learn things faster, as opposed to being like, 
You want scoopy nah, scoops? Nah, you know, all that's we don't do yeah, that. yeah, and good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> my dad didn't talk to me that way. No, nah, I don't think so. I wouldn't remember. My mom might have. My mom was very cutesy with me. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that was my story. Shout out to Cash Quest and that's her parents, crazy, and man. I hope they continue. Two years just, old. Two years old. I mean, I'm, I'm this needs. To, they, it's looking like we need to have a smart guy reboot, man. Like um, smart gal. 146 yeah. IQ. I'm also gonna look up an IQ test, man. I'm really just intrigued on what an IQ test is. So I would love to find that out. Um, yeah, man, uh, I don't really have any uh, updates. Again, uh, Austin, Texas, this week, man, we're flying uh, Wednesday night. I'm picking you up uh, middle of the night, going yeah. into Thursday, man. It's going to be a good time. Austin Tejas, make sure you pack those spurs that jingle, jangle, jingle, my boy. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, do you have anything that you would like to suggest to people? You know, have you been listening to anything or watching oh, anything? Pray for me on the plane. It's the only thing I can say. Oh, yeah, give up. Send prayers <laughs> up. Send prayers up. And also a recommendation. This is uh, This song is not new by any means, but I cannot stop. Listening to We're Good by Dua Lipa. I think I'm a Dua Lipa fan, man. I've been hearing her songs for the last like couple years, and every you know how you have that person where you go, I like that song, yeah, and I like that song, and I like that song, yeah. At some point, you got to go. I think I'm just a fan of this person, yeah. So I think I'm a Dua Lipa fan. So go check out some Dua Lipa, especially We're Good. Send some prayers up for Fran. I don't need the prayers. I, we're on the same flight, so his prayers will transfer over to me. <laughs> so you can just do one prayer and send them up to for both of us. Uh, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in True Crime, Franco Evans. And we'll see you guys in Austin. Deuces. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park